0: Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if
1: you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands. This is the Bat Fanatic podcast. Now, I am joined, as always, by my good friends Ben and Evan. We're going to dig into the first chapter of the Dark Knight trilogy today. First, I got to shout out our sponsor, Radar Toys. They've been supporting us back since day one. You could go to radartoys.com for free shipping in the US and get 10% off using the code BATFANPOD. You can also go down there like I do and get curbside pickup, they'll take your stuff right to your car window. All right, good stuff. Now, we are going to go back on the heels of the year one episode and dig into the best. on-screen origin story that we've seen. I would argue the technically best made Batman movie to date. Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins.
0: Is that Jesus? <laughs> A version of Jesus? Yeah,
1: Batman. He's, <laughs> he's our Jesus. Yeah. Ben's just going to be half listening to us this whole time. That'd
2: be awesome, actually. If <laughs> it was like Ben talking the whole time, but we're like, watching Christian Bill.
1: He'd probably like, yeah, I didn't watch it yet, so uh, I have to queue it up in the <laughs> yeah. background. Nah,
2: I just thought that I would. Uh, kinda, I, just, I know what you like, mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great part. I, I mean, I'm not there yet, but. Uh,
1: just I, wait. I actually just got fast. to like last night, and I still hadn't done it yet. I'm like, fuck. Okay, I really got to do it now. But there was a part of me that was like, I've seen this movie a hundred times. I could totally just wing it, and I was like, "Nah, we got our categories, and we go through the story." I was like, "Ah, I gotta, I gotta break it down." Yeah, because with the, see, that's the nice thing about what you're doing, because you you have like your synopsis of the movie to yeah. keep things moving. Where neither of
3: us are going to do that for you. So.
1: Exactly. I told Ange yeah. I said, I said, Ange, can you make notes for me? I don't have time. I got to work on these edits, you know. And she's like, "What the fuck are my notes gonna be?" And and, and yet. Hours later, we watch it, and she's like, hey, did you hear that? She goes, is that guy Australian? It's like, what are you talking about? And she's talking about Thomas Wayne. And I rewound it. I was like, did he break accent? And when they're on the train, and it's the whole scene of the, like, you know, I leave the company to better men, you know, and it's a little more interested men. In that scene his accent slips when he says public transportation system. I was like, damn, transportation system. Yeah. And I was like, he, he does sound Australian. I was like, I've seen this countless times, never noticed that. And then I looked him up and he was born in Manchester. So not Australian, but British. And yeah, she, she she caught that tiny little slip. I was impressed. I was like, see, you should do my notes.
2: I think that'd be a good challenge anyways. Like, absolutely right. whatever you want and i promise to say all the things that you say so. <laughs> christian bale
0: looks so great without a shirt
3: on <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah. i haven't been this aroused and yeah yeah
1: <laughs> no that's Man. not that's not her thing she and her friend john they send each other every day a hot picture of henry cavill they're like the huge guys every day she looked yesterday. She's like, I'm gonna scroll through our text because I'm not sure. And she's like, Nope, we haven't missed a day since May eight. Or you know, I was like, Holy fuck! All right, <laughs> Damn. that's commitment. So, um, we got Ev in the house. Yes. And Ben. Hello. Cool. Everyone did their right names this time. That was great.
2: Oh, I'm gonna have to take that oh, back. Oh, fuck!
1: Nope, you already did it. It's on tape. Ah. Uh. So this is our 20th episode by the way.
0: Congratulations. Very
1: exciting. Woo! We made it this far.
0: The corn anniversary.
1: Corn? Oh, really? Yeah. I only yes. heard people mention that like in Gone Girl. I don't I don't really know them.
0: What are you talking about? Like uh, every anniversary there's a specific gift. Yeah. For oh. like, every milestone anniversary.
1: In tradition, you're supposed to give, like, silver for this one, and, you know, uh, fucking... for so the 20th, you're supposed to
0: give, like, corn on the cob, or popcorn, or... You
1: Sounds you know, stupid. For, like, your 50th, it's a rim job or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that
2: was, like, my second. I don't know. <laughs> you you back around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <what? laughs> well, maybe yeah. I the, maybe I got the order, wrong. After
1: all those years, you run out of gifts, so then you start it over. <laughs>
2: that makes sense. That... Why did they even go 50? Why did they even make it to corn? This should have been. Call it before that. It needs to be more like a 10 year. Oh, cyclist. wait. Corn
3: hole. made that up. There's no corn. There. there you go. Oh, come
2: on. <laughs> 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 I trusted you. I know. That's why I do that. I was going to take it to Amber and be like, babe, where's my corn at?
1: <laughs> well, we've spent entirely too much time on this. Batman Begins, so. <laughs> 2005, directed by Christopher Nolan. Written by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer. Uh, The story credit going to Mr. Goyer. Starring, my God, Christian Bale, Liam Neeson, Gary Oldman, Katie Holmes, Killian Murphy, Tom Wilkinson, Ken Watanabe, Rutger Hauer, Morgan Freeman, and Michael fucking Kane. Michael Kane. Cinematography by Wally Pfister. Uh, who's been with Nolan since Insomnia, I believe. No, maybe even Memento. And music, of course, by the man Hans Zimmer. My God. Just reading that much, I'm so excited. Like, yeah. just an oh, man, all-star this is destined crew. to be a pooper. <laughs> <laughs> With that kind of lineup, it's probably going
2: to suck.
1: I mean, yeah, honestly, this came out at a time when, I was 19 and i had my 89 in returns dvds and you know that was about it just that period in my life where where bands became everything and Uh, schumacher had done his thing that was not what i was looking for and shut up evan just those those happening at the same time like this is the movie that got me into it again
2: Back into. I
1: mean, it's not life. like I ever stopped. Like, I still considered. <laughs> it's, it
2: gave purpose. I mean, it gave
1: I, meaning again. I considered the, still those as my favorite movies, but I mean, like, the other episode we're doing today, you know, for, for next time is The Long Halloween. I didn't buy comics as an adult until when Begins came out and it made me fall in love with this stuff all over again. And seeing that, I was like, fuck, you know what? I I need to pick up year one. I need to pick up Long Halloween and just like dive into this stuff. So, I mean, where were you guys at when this movie came out?
2: I don't remember, honestly, comics and Japanese stuff have just been steadily a part of my life since I was 16. And then at some point I kind of fell off from... X-Men and some other American titles and that just kind of the artists that I really like to follow got away from doing stuff or they were working on games or something else and I stopped paying attention to that stuff and just kind of stayed reading Japanese stuff until
0: there became like more artists that I was interested in the American market again. I think I started reading comics maybe when I was about 13, so 2000. Yeah. And I didn't have any money, but as I've said before, I would go to like Barnes and Noble or Borders and just sit in their nice chairs and read entire comic books. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, sometimes like multiple graphic novels at a time. <laughs> and so I think I, I started reading like Cataclysm and Ultimate Spider-Man and things like that. But I wasn't super in touch with the comic culture, the wider stuff. So I didn't even know this movie was coming out. And I was with friends. And I think we were in Arizona, and they just said like, "You want to go see a movie?" And I said, "Yeah." Like there's a new Batman movie. We should go see that. I like, oh, I
3: wasn't even expecting this, <laughs> and so I had no expectations. I hadn't even seen a trailer, and it just
0: it blew me away. I mean, like the idea of Batman being a ninja is already kind of woven in there, but this movie takes that idea and just runs with it. I mean, oh that's, yeah, it's, it's perfect. Yeah, and Christian Bale. I don't think I'd seen American Psycho, but I'd seen a couple things that were really cool, and so I was just excited to see that guy. Like you know, he's going to take it seriously, even though it's a superhero movie. He's going to completely commit to
1: the role. Yeah, and this is before he's quite household Oscar winner, Christian Bale. Mm. And, and I think this movie really put him on the map in a big way. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, at that time, I mean, I, I was really excited because, I mean, movies have always been my thing. And I was really, really, really into Memento. Mm-hmm. In that age, we have like, you know, Fight Club, Memento and The Matrix, and a lot of uh-huh. these, like, really great kind of thinking movies, you know. But still action, still fun. Yeah, exactly. Not, and, not
0: Memento, not super action, but still, like, fast paced.
1: Yeah, it's just, uh, it hit me at the right time. And I, I remember having that DVD and watching it a million times. And I had the special edition where if you go through the weird DVD menu the right way, you can watch a re edit of the movie sequentially. Is it any good? No. I heard about that. No. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that's trash. It ruins the whole thing. But like uh-huh. but I'm I'm just like that's how deep I was in with Nolan already at the first one, you know, and I, I rented his original uh following at Blockbuster. I loved Insomnia, you know, with Al Pacino. And so when I heard that he was doing it and Christian Bale, I had loved American Psycho. I don't I don't know if I saw the machinist before or after this. You know, but I was definitely just like all good signs here. You know, it's like it's e- everything that I was hearing about this just seemed like the right people in charge, and this was going to be some real shit. And so, like me, Ange, and Josh Burrington, and a bunch of us, we got tickets and uh, for the opening night, but it was sold out, and so all we could fit was the front row. You know how there's like the front row, and then there's like those ruin a movie. then there's those shitty seats on the front ground and yeah so we were uh, we were not only on the ground but in the corner on the far left corner of the screen my just head is cranked back as far as it go staring so terrible. up at an angle and yet i had like the time of my life it was so fucking good i couldn't even believe i'm looking at it going it's like they made this for me how the fuck yeah. you know how is this real yeah it's just perfect
0: I mean, obviously, as we'll get into it, I mean, there are flaws in my mind. There are things about it that are like missteps or don't work, but just...
1: Oh, yeah, it's the worst one (laughs) by a long shot to ever be made.
0: (laughs) Talking about, like, Batman Returns, Batman 89, the Schumacher movies, each of them, even the Schumacher movies, have parts of Batman right, and have interesting things with that, but this just gets every element right. And I mean, the only thing, maybe Bruce Wayne's not quite smart enough He's not like that kind of Batman, but he's still sharp, and he still kind of figures things out. But it's just like, it's got that darkness of tone. It's not goofy and silly, although there's some comedy in it, some levity.
1: Yeah, honestly, I don't think it gets enough credit for that, but the banter in all of these movies is great, but this one being the very, okay, we're going to get super serious, guys, and everything is realistic (laughs) and whatever, you kind of forget. I mean... Bale has some comedy chops in this, you know. Just as eccentric billionaire Bruce Wayne, you know, is like he does play that through the trilogy. He does the Conroy thing, you know. I really like that. Yeah,
2: I thought it was kind of cool too that he's got two scenes. I can't remember what one of them is, but the second one where he's closer to the end and he's got the birthday party. Yeah, and he's gonna he's gonna boot everybody out of the house, but he plays like he's drunk, mm-hmm. he talks like he's had drinks when he hasn't had drinks, because you see him talking right before that, and that I, I thought it's sort of meta to be an actor acting like a character who's acting. Yeah. yeah. Like, whoa, cool. <laughs> Your head exploded. <laughs> yeah, oh
1: my god! But I mean, that's one of those things where they just get the character right. You know, it's, it's like at Harvey Dent's fundraiser in the penthouse in the second one, he's walking around with champagne and Bumping I seen that one yet. bumping elbows with everybody <laughs> Yeah. most people haven't. Um, and then he walks out to the balcony and he just th- throws the drink over the, over the ledge, yeah, like, man, you know, just everything they do is in service of the story, in service of the character. You know, before we get too far, I just want to say that in fandom, there's, this, there's always this rivalry. There's this Snyder, this Burton, this Keaton, Schumacher. this Bale. You know, I don't really hear that one except Evan. But, but you know, like there's these little camps, right? And now all of a sudden it, these movies were so big that now it's cool to hate them or something. What? Man, I, I, yeah, exactly. I don't get it. I'm not trying to play into what? I'm on team whatever. I'm on Batman team Rises soured it
0: for a lot of people, I think. Or the Dark Knight Rises, I mean. I get that. As if that's not also a good movie. But
1: oh yeah, because yeah. they're all it's one just, movie. It, yeah. It's just silly to me, and I, I'm not. I'm not trying to, to to play into that. I am just team Batman across the board, and Keaton might be my all time, but like I, I love all of these with practically equal reverence, man. Like, and begins again with such a, a gateway for me. I mean, I have just such a deep love for it all. Yeah, and that's just
2: personal preference, anyways. Each one has cool things, and just like in comics, I was talking to Christian and Lauren at work the other day. I think he watched Suicide Squad for the first time. Uh, He was talking about Leto's Joker and and not super loving him and stuff, and we're kind of going on about it. You want to get crunk? Yeah, yeah. Yo, (laughs) bitch. (laughs) Let's get crazy, yo. Then I was just saying that just like in comics, Batman exists in the same universe as aliens and superpowers and he's homies with martian manhunter (laughs) yeah but but if i if i only think of batman then it's easy to to think of his like closed just gotham universe where everybody sort you know people kind of have like maybe a power or more like a deformity or something like that i like the
1: deformities yeah it's it's a little yeah that's more relatable
2: (laughs) People with super dry, scaly skin. That's what I'm into. Sharp teeth.
1: I'm beautiful.
2: Um, I don't have to separate them. I just have to acknowledge that they all exist and they can all exist. You know, what I like about Nolan's stuff is that if I pretend this is a Batman universe where there is no aliens and stuff, then it should be a really realistic story. It should be pretty much this world and therefore lit like this world and shot in a city that looks like this world or whatever. And it was cool that when he came around and did it, that even other, if you had, um, say, X-Men or something, even if whoever made an X-Men movie was taking it really seriously, the serious version of that would be full of powers and CG and all this stuff. They were taking it seriously, but it doesn't look like real life stuff. Whereas if you take Batman seriously, it looks like real-life stuff. And so it was cool to have the first couple are are full of style. But that's like a comic book Batman. And then Schumacher's stuff, that's more like a cartoon Batman world, but with real people. And then by the time you get to Nolan, it's like, nah, this is... This is just some real-life shit. This is like, walk out the door and there's Batman shit. He, li- he lives in my world.
1: This is a documentary.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's my friend, Sam Wardenby.
1: I think it's funny that you say that, too, because in re-watching it while keeping notes of it,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you start to realize actually how much CGI has to be in a Scarecrow movie.
2: This one has, like, all the shots over the narrows. And-
1: yeah, everyone's fear, toxin view You crazy wild faces and all kinds of shit going on, you know, and and aside from the demon Batman where he turns it on Crane, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't really think of this movie as having CG, but it actually uses quite a lot. I mean, we have repeated use of bats. We have the flower being ground up and inhaled during the the League of Shadows
3: system. Yeah, everything with that that
2: system. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or you'll
2: have like a real shot with a real city and then Wayne Tower. Is like Super CG phones. in the background,
1: uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't I realize that. It,
2: yeah, it just the same things get the same treatment multiple times. Every time you see the train, it's like a CG setup. Every time you see the narrows, that's a CG setup. They just didn't want to make those models or whatever. Yeah, I, I think it works
3: great. I mean, the scale of this city is really convincing. That tram system is a nice touch of doing that
0: thing that good Batman stories do, where it's anachronistic, like. You don't know what the time period is. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's modern, obviously. It's our time, but it also looks kind of old, with like mm-hmm. who, who has this weird trolley system, retro future. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason all that CD doesn't stand out is because, unlike like the Justice League movies or the Marvel movies or anything like that, where the spectacle is the point of the movie. Yeah, this
3: isn't really that. I mean, there are there are some big set pieces, but it's never like, look at the huge G Wiz
0: thing. It's yeah. all. Like small and tight. It's not like, yeah, like Sam a-
1: Raimi Spider Man CGI. It's it's world building CGI.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's generally a,
2: a portion of something. It's we talked previously and I was saying that I, what I don't like is the whole Star Wars fusion of live action and C G simultaneously. Yeah. So at least if you're gonna have a shot flying over the Narrows just have that be it, and it's just all CG, and that's what I'm getting for a couple seconds, and cool. Nothing else to, to make it really look like it stands out or something.
1: Well, yeah, uh, it's not uh, like a Sub-Zero, where you have the 2D and then the 3D on top yeah. of each other. And you're like, <laughs> cool. what am I looking at? <laughs> I
3: have
0: CG narrows, and then a tiny yeah. real-life Batman flipping <laughs> across
3: it.
2: Another thing, too, is I don't, I don't know anything about creating CG, but... That's right, you don't.
3: Yeah, I
2: know nothing. It's... Graphics generated by a computer. That's what I do know about. CG. You got lucky with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, looked that up before this. I didn't want to say.
1: It's in my notes uh, here.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's right here. It's a, it's a very short acronym. We talked previously about colorists and how what I don't like is when they make stuff look so clean and shiny when I don't think that that fits. That's also something that happens with CG sometimes. Yeah. And I think what this does and what people generally should do is just make it, like, darker or more gritty in texture or something. That obviously fits the tone and the color palette of this anyways. But sometimes CG, it'll change to a, a CG scene, and all of a sudden, like, everything is sparkling. And, and like, hyper-detailed. And it, and it, yeah, it's got highlights, and it just looks so weird. Like if you're gonna over render it, at least make it more like textural or shadowy
0: or something. So it's, you're not they spent like fifty million dollars on it. They really want you to see, yeah how strong these computers are I, but sometimes it's like it's just like
2: a high contrast thing, and I can't think of an example, but I've seen it a lot of times where it's it's like startling how vibrant stuff looks sometimes and like i I've never well, seen colors that bright before. The Star Wars prequels I mean, I think they're a bad example of that. yeah. Battle example of lots of stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Among other things, yes. All right, so I got to harp on the story because I think that's what makes this such a perfect movie, in my opinion. I mean, again, a lot of factors just from all the different people we've talked about that are working on this, but there is no big comic book movie credit scene. We open with this dream, this flashback Sort of like how BVS opens, actually. I mean, you have the whole finder's keepers thing with Rachel and falling down the hole. Then this awesome scene where right away we establish that this man is a brawler. You're in hell, little man, and I am the devil. Like, that shit kicks it off. Because, again, no Batman for a long time. So we are going to open with action right out the gate. Those are the best choreographed fight scenes in the film. Yeah, well, because so much of the film is super choppy to show his, like, superhuman ninja ability, you know, that you can't perceive what's happening. I think also to
0: cover up that this suit, as cool as it looks, is hard to move in. Yes. That's a criticism that people have leveled at the movie, and I think it's fair. But I definitely didn't notice it the first time, and even this time, I appreciated that having this awesome couple of fight scenes early on outside of the suit. Yes fixes that because then you've seen him move you've seen the work that christian bale did and the choreographers did to convince you that this guy can fight yeah so then you already believe it later when now it's all like choppy shots and you can't actually see him doing anything
1: because we already know this yeah and we're also getting humor in this scene the prison fight you know it's like solitary confinement like what what the hell for is like for protection i don't need protection (laughs) protection for them you know and and so (laughs) right at the beginning you're coming with the jokes, too. And so, again, like, this is stuff that I don't really think about as I'm watching this because it's not an Iron Man movie that's super funny, but it is more than I give it credit for.
0: Yeah, it's the right amount of levity, and it never feels, like, tacked on or, like, like, they hired somebody else to come in and, like, can you write some jokes? Cause
1: yeah, you want to punch I, it up?
0: Yeah, I don't just, know what funny stuff is. Yeah, I could do like, the child trauma. I know how to write that, but I don't know how to it, write, like,
2: a joke. So. Yeah it's not handed to you either it's delivered in a way that
3: requires a certain amount of listening and cleverness Mm -hmm. i think it totally works too
0: because it it's a a big part of the batman alfred relationship yeah and that's always been there in the comics of like he's the one guy who i know you're not a bat demon i know you're just a fucking dude
3: yeah
1: so i'm gonna rip you and i think maybe this is dumb (laughs) maybe you shouldn't be
0: doing this and Mm -hmm. you're you're gonna do it more okay
1: well and that's A big part of the animated series, too.
0: They're just sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah, I love how dry Alfred
2: is. And it's cool that he's the one dude that can stand up to Bruce and Bruce accepts it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right.
1: And even if he doesn't, he still kind of hears him out, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's allowed. Because, I mean, we see in Rises, they disagree to the extent that he bails, Mm. but he still... Is someone who could actually say that shit to his face.
0: Mm-hmm. This story, too. I'm trying to think of any of the movies deal with that. I guess the Dark Knight deals with it, but this one doesn't have as much of the like, which one's real, Batman or Bruce Wayne? And there's when we get to the end to jump ahead. I mean, there's like Katie Holmes saying, "Well, that guy's gone." Yeah, but I think that's more like Batman's here is what that means. And so this this has a lot of that, and like you were saying, Kevin Conroy Batman has that too, where when he's out of the costume. That's when he's le- he has the levity and he jokes and especially with Alfred. And when he's in the costume, he's rarely ever funny. He's doing a super growly voice.
1: Well, and to touch on, I mean, that dynamic with Rachel. I think one of the great kind of aha moments of the film in terms of his character and the duality is when Alfred really like twists his arm, going like, "Okay, you're disappearing." You have strange injuries. Like, you need to go out and be seen, you know, because it all begs the question what does Bruce Wayne do with all his time and his money? And so he goes out, and there's the whole swimming pool in the hotel scene and and all this shit. And you see, as he runs into Rachel unexpectedly, the big shit eating grin on his face, and you watch it dissolve into the real person. It was like Alfred said, "If you pretend to have some fun, you might have a little by accident, you know and, and and you see that that actually did happen, and he was kind of getting sucked into that bullshit. It's like an addict who walks into a room and sees someone from their old life or from their family and who knows that that's not the real you you know and, and it's just that that reflection that she brought to him and, and you see it all dissolve. And that's that essential line, that essential question. It's not who you are. What the fuck is it? It's not who you are underneath, but what you do that what defines you, do. you. Yeah.
2: I like that scene, but it came across in a way that I didn't super love. I knew what they were trying to do. but I think I didn't like was that they were trying to hop too deeply into that, like, super quickly. Whereas if you just saw a person kind of passing through a door, even if he's doing some funny stuff, but... They haven't seen each other in a really long time and I get the feeling that it, it would just be kind of like a short thing in passing, but he really quickly dives into like this isn't me and I was like well, I, I feel like you're you're addressing a lot of stuff in like Save a that very for the phone short call scene. later. Yeah, yeah. It's like this seems like the kind of thing where you would be like, Uh yeah, I'm back in town, I gotta go hang out with these girls, uh let's talk
0: or something. They <laughs> that's just how, That's how important she is to him. Exactly. That it, it catches him off guard.
1: Yeah, again, again, so, someone who's that uh, important in your early life who knows you in an intimate way then sees you acting a fool. And it's complicated by the fact that we saw when he last came to town, right? And he wanted to kill Joe Chill. Mm-hmm. And we saw that shame and embarrassment and, and, how you know they may have sort of had a falling out at that point and and that's before he then disappeared for 7 years. And so there's a lot of baggage in that relationship too again for him not being true to the person she knows him to be. And so that person being all of a sudden 2 feet from your face is a wake up call of like oh god damn it like I I'm, I'm out here putting on a show like please don't think that I'm worse again you know Yeah,
2: I I think I maybe would have liked it if it was more like that not that he could have fully fessed up to like yo I have a secret identity (laughs) and uh, this is all my
3: stuff you know
2: like hey yo (laughs) he couldn't have done that necessarily but I think I would have preferred it a lot more if it was like, hey, this isn't what it looks like. I'm back in town. Can I just give you a call sometime soon and explain myself? Versus like, hey, let's hash this out on the sidewalk. I'm not actually this dude. But Uh, that's
1: one of those classic movie things where like someone says the wrong thing and that sets up the conflict or the awkward dynamic between these characters that you need to propel the story sort of, you know? Because there's always the like... Bitch, you know that you weren't at the thing when she thought you were at the thing with the girl. Like, don't say that, you know. You always have this thing in your head when you're like, oh, but why didn't you just say, well, well, story, that's why. (laughs) It's
0: funny because this movie, this movie's is 140 minutes long. This is a long movie, but they still cover a lot of ground. So I guess you could say that, like, they just had to get that in there, like you're saying, to set up for the awkwardness of their relationship. Uh Because they had so many other things to do that they couldn't. They couldn't do it in a longer fashion.
3: Yeah, but I mean, I think I that she think
1: just
2: that it's a mistake to try to address something that should be a really conversation, a long combo. like a deep, long combo in a very short amount of time. So what he tries to do there just seems weird and wrong to me. Like, uh, no, just uh, explain yourself later, bro. Don't even attempt to do it right now.
1: I don't know. I like the awkward backpedal, though. It shows this person that we've seen in two sort of invincible personas that he puts up whether that's bruce that we just watched try to buy the hotel try, mm. buy. you know you you i mean from the oh. maitre d i don't know that
2: that's how business actually yeah. works up. i don't think you can just give a huge check to a waiter and yeah. bought a hotel. <laughs> i'm gonna go I'm yeah on go the fountain now. Yeah, yeah. Just All I know is fountain ladies are gonna dip out.
1: The maître d' just quit his job. I know that much. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for some
2: reason, yeah, Bruce signed the back for some reason.
1: But we see this impervious role that he's playing right there, and we've already seen him as Batman, as the League of Shadows. It's just humanizing to give those little cracks in the veneer because he has two very big veneers that he puts up, and again. We talk a lot about the duality, but we get a smidgen of kind of the in-between there, you uh-huh. know, of still the, the, still the young Bruce who hadn't grown out of that.
2: Yeah, I think it was a necessary thing. I think there needed to be a moment like that. Something about the execution just, it, it wasn't my favorite part. I know that it needed to happen. They should bump into each other, but I just didn't super love it.
1: Well, story-wise, we're still back in the first act. We've been talking for a half an hour now and uh <laughs> oh my so, god yes. um i'm going to try to i'm going to try to push through some of this a little bit but like it, so again first act of the movie after the prison fight we have Roz in the cell and again i know some people also have issue with the way that his name is pronounced in this movie but whatever the blue flower carry it to the top of the mountain right oh god it reminded me of some other fucking movie um
2: Music?
1: No, no, it's like Indiana a Jones. like a Kill Bill 2 sort of thing. Oh, it was like uh, Ace Ventura 2. The monastery on the fucking <laughs> oh. <laughs> thing. Um, yeah,
0: that's, that's like a kung fu movie thing.
1: Well, yeah, yeah well, but it's also the, like... You have
0: like
2: the, the Edelweiss growing in the hills uh, in Europe and stuff, and that would show that you were a legit soldier if you climbed the mountain and claimed uh, the flower. Nice. Uh-huh.
1: But, uh, yeah, so we have again that, and I really didn't... I never think of it so much because... This is the kind of movie where it's probably my least favorite of the trilogy in terms of playback, even though I hold it in highest regard as the best made, if that makes sense. Because the first hour is slower and no Batman, I prefer to rewatch the other ones. But in watching it with scrutiny and not like, okay, yeah, I'm going to fucking buy toys on ebay while the first half of this movie and oh batman's on now i'm gonna really watch you know i love all the blue flower shit and how it's part of the league and they they have him hallucinate there and everything is moving toward the climax of the the fear toxin and it's fully removed from scarecrow and jonathan crane and all this different time different place but again every bit of this movie is tied together and i love that
2: yeah, you don't have any reason to think that somehow that might be a reoccurring thing later on. It's just, yo, the gay, the dude gave you a test. You're actually going to do it like drugs later and trip out. That could have been the end. out, <laughs> it's actually like a pretty crucial
1: plot point. Well, yeah. and it's sort of getting him a little bit acclimated, too, because once he gets blasted with it later and set on fire, mm-hmm. he's really shook. But it's also, there's a little bit of familiarity in that of like, this whole road that he's on and they say right from that scene like Raz al Ghul what do you want I want to use fear on those who prey on the fearful right the whole theme of the film is fear we get the little first taste of that when he inhales it there but again he gets full on blasted with the shit later it's all just this gradual escalation of the theme of fear
2: it's it's a lot like in Batman and Robin, where they both inhale Poison Ivy's love dust, but then later on they recognize it for what it is and they're kind of acclimated. Do you think that Nolan was inspired by Schumacher? I do. Yes. Yeah, directly
1: in I, every way.
2: Yeah, yeah, obviously.
1: I think the real hero of this movie is Joel Schumacher. You know,
0: I agree. Yeah,
1: yeah I agree. For like ruining the before, franchise, without
0: those movies we wouldn't have this one.
1: Uh, yeah. Without those <laughs> movies being like kind of. Making people not
0: want any more Batman movies. For time. that's not yeah. how I feel, but I hear what you say. <laughs> kind of like a Sean Murphy thing. One of my favorite things about all these Christopher Nolan films is how respectful he is to Batman and Batman canon and all the things that have come before the important stuff. Yeah, just with like all the characters: uh, Commissioner Loeb, Flas, just all these like characters that we know and they're slightly different, but they still kind of fit the mold. So it really, you can tell he, he consumed the stuff and he he, he read Batman. He didn't. Because with, with the, uh, some of the Burton stuff,
1: it can just feel like he just wanted to do his own thing. Oh, yeah, fully. Like he, yeah. I, I, you know, I reinvented the
3: character, the visual style of it, so this is my movie and I'm just
0: really going to do
1: what I want. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be fucking weird and you're going to like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so not all those little things, but all the set pieces and we'll talk about it more in the other movies because maybe Dark Knight has more of that. But just... Having the three of us read so many of these Batman comics recently seeing the little like nods to all these other Batman stories yeah it's just yeah I, I love it. I'm super glad that we already read
2: year one and that we simultaneously read Long Halloween because there was like lots of little pieces from those things added into this story and I was like cool before I, I wouldn't have known that I, I'm familiar enough with Batman. But I wouldn't have known where all these little pieces came from, and I was like, "Oh, dope!" So I'm glad that I've already consumed some of those other things because now I can make those connections.
1: It's almost as if the host of this show put some thought into this.
0: Don't you Uh, go to hell? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you fool yourself. I don't think so. Huh? Weird. It's all coincidence.
1: Yeah, that was that was pretty random how they all just happened to link together and.
2: I've never, I've never, yeah, I've never known you to be much of a planner or a punctual. Or
1: I'm not a thinker, really.
0: No. Organized or no. anything. Meathead is how I describe you to other
1: people. Yeah, and I never yeah. take credit, either.
2: Yeah, I'm more like a self-centered fashionista. <laughs> Very,
1: no, I'm actually quite modest.
0: Did I tell you to go to hell yet? Yes. <laughs> Suck my butt. Did I, have I said that right?
1: um, So, in the first act, we've got, why do we fall? We, I thought you were asking me We see that. this come back. <laughs> Gravity? I don't know, man. Yeah. And so, then man we get the, uh, the Joe Chill alleyway scene. You know, again, he's afraid in the opera, theme of fear, leaves early, feels the guilt of putting them in that situation. And what does Thomas Wayne say? What are his last words? Don't be afraid.
2: I love how nice his dad is in this. He, he seems like such a good dude. He seems like a genuinely nice guy and a really good father.
1: Yeah, he's yeah. not the uh, Arthur Flex Thomas Wayne. That's for sure.
2: No, he seems awesome, even if he is Australian. Oh, look British. <laughs> British. The other Australia.
1: <laughs> I think that's New uh, Zealand.
2: Oh, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Guys, I, I don't know. I have a random question. Batman comes around. Talking to Gordon initially. Maybe this is nothing, but I felt like it was something. Gordon says, I think you're here to help, but I've been wrong before. Yeah. What is he talking about? Who was he wrong about?
0: Just the city, probably the city of Gotham. Losing faith or having lost faith in the good guys. The, yeah, the other people in the
2: police force? Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't think that's necessarily that a, a direct trying to reference. to some
2: other character. Like, what?
1: Well, we love to call back to Earth 1. So, I mean, if you were to think about, like what happens to Bullock in that, you know, mm-hmm. and how he is very much, let's say, humbled by the city. Mm-hmm. I think it's more just a thematic nod to that sort of idea. Yeah, given so. up hope a little bit. I mean, we've seen That's him cool. and Flass interact very briefly about, well, when guys like you don't take a taste, it makes us nervous, you know, and he's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm no rat, but like judging the fuck out of you, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. He's just been disappointed a lot.
0: Uh, having, Come on, Flass, I've got kids
2: to feed, but yeah. they don't like falafel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> having read the other comic now, I wonder how they arrived at that dude as Flash.
1: It's interesting because he is a little bit of a bullock type in that he's kind of the the fat, slovenly guy. Yeah. But he is. It's maybe
0: a combination of the characters. Maybe yeah. Same way of like, even though they made a new Flash, they still incorporated appropriate yeah. Batman stuff into him. Yeah. He's
3: a dirtbag, for sure. That part was right. He just doesn't look like him a lot. That guy's a great actor, and he plays those kind of characters a lot. But he also totally. played him in uh,
0: Patriot, the show Patriot. He plays a character that's just fantastic, and it's not like those slime balls that he plays in everything else. So the guy has range.
1: Nice. Um, so in this training montage, because we cut back and forth, the whole first hour of the movie, really, of you know the League of Shadows shit, and then the Bruce returning and kind of setting up where he's going. But in this training montage, again, so much of the script is all setups, not just for the rest of the movie, but for the whole trilogy. We have the Mind Your Surroundings. That comes back at the end. We have Theatricality and Deception. That comes back with Bane. We have that Once I Had a Wife and She Was Taken From Me, you know, and they play off of that in Rises as well. And then there's the hilarious line that always made me confused after he uh knocks him through the ice and they're sitting by the campfire and he's like yeah exactly that was good yeah. but he's like rubbing his arms to stay warm and raz goes uh rub your chest your arms will take care of themselves right which i always thought was such a weird line because it's like backwards You know, like your heart's right here; it's pumping all the blood outward from here. You shouldn't have to help this part. It should be your limbs. You know, your fingers go numb, your toes go numb.
0: Did you research this though?
1: You sound like a fool. Did you you know about
0: hypothermia?
1: The funny thing is, I saw an interview a while back with Liam Neeson saying that he just made that shit up (laughs) and and like thought it was kind of funny that it made the cut. That's funny. Because he was like, yeah, I was just in character. I just said that shit. I don't know. You say something confident that makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. I,
2: got a, I got a weird long mustache thing. It's <laughs> believable. It's going to my head. Yeah, that scene is dope because swords. And also, <laughs> I like that they really clearly show where Batman gets his like future gauntlet things. Yep. From. That's just cool. Like, sweet. You probably you just totally made that connection up yourself, I'm pretty sure. But I think it's cool that he saw the benefits of that armor back then was like I definitely need to co- incorporate that in the future.
1: I think the great thing that this movie does is it not only humanizes the character but it shows it's not just the how but it's the why whether uh, it's I love the that tumbler blade
2: catching snapping action that's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean whether it's the tumbler having the purpose of like jumping bridges and that's why we have the turbines in the back, you know, or yeah. the way that the fabric in the cape you know, if you watch the behind the scenes on the DVD, that is real. The electrical current through the fabric, that was some military shit that was actually being worked on at the time. So, like, on this crew, they invented the material for his cape and they created this thing, and it was like this parachute, super thin, like nylon, but then it was like flocked in a way. And then they incorporated also the real life technology to stiffen it. You know, I mean, so like every bit of this whole world, they're showing you like how it actually could exist. They're not just saying like, this is real. They're going, well, but this is actually how.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. It's more grounded. Yeah. Well, with his body armor, having it be like some super cost inefficient military body armor, like there's mm-hmm. no way we could outfit a bunch of soldiers with this. But he's like, well, I can use it. I, I'm just one guy. And that's fine. Yeah. Devising like a, this, the exact right composition for the cowl. So that it will not be brittle, but it'll provide defense and stuff like that. So it's not just like a rubber suit and cloth. I mean, it's.
1: Everything is so well thought out.
0: You're
2: going to need these nipple bump covers because your nipples are the most vulnerable part of your body. Well, it draws attention. If, uh, yeah, because people will shoot, they'll at they'll shoot at your nipples. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> What do you think the
2: it, it draws fire. The, and the bullet can't go to two nipples at the same time. The bullets get. <laughs>
3: Then they get
0: confused. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a deleted scene. Uh, going back to that training scene and how you were talking about how it's setting up not just the rest of this movie, but all the films.
1: Yeah.
0: You have, right away, early on, not wanting to execute the murderer. Yeah. It's like That's just too far for him. It's not his place to do that. So taking down the whole League of Shadows, but still saving Ducard, and that whole idea of him showing mercy coming back punish him later. Not just punish him, but punish everyone else. Yeah. The whole conflict of this movie wouldn't be there if the guard was gone, or at least it wouldn't be there in the same way. But because he was merciful, because he doesn't kill, things get worse.
1: Except all those people in the League of Shadows.
0: Yeah. Well, well yes. The burning building killed them. He
2: didn't kill them. That's up to you to decide if they died anyways. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they crawled out of there like big... <laughs> fleshy burning lumps.
1: Well, and it's interesting too because at that point Watanabe is Razel Ghul. And so later when he does kill Razel Ghul, he reiterates the fact that like in case you forgot, I'm not going to murder, but I'm gonna burn this bitch down. You know, like yeah. like I don't I don't have to bail you out either. Like you saw what happened to the old Razel Ghul. You're going down like him. I will say <laughs> and maybe
0: it fits this more realistic version of Batman. That is bullshit.
1: It's a cop-out.
0: Because Batman would be like, Batman would save him from that. He wouldn't. Yeah. It would be one thing of like, if he had to choose between saving a good person and Ra's al Ghul, yeah. or, you know, if he tried and he just failed, but to actively abandon him yeah. to die, is not really a very Batman thing.
1: Well, I mean, the first time that, I mean, you just said it though. The first time was his mistake showing mercy. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't bother me when I watch it so I'm not going to dive into it here it doesn't matter
0: because the character is still pretty much the Batman that I expect Batman to be but that yeah. is kind of bullshit I mean, <laughs> he, would, he saves the Joker like, it, it's
1: just, so, like he has cool. to die at the end right I mean <laughs> How well, else can s- we do it? You
2: set yourself up anyways, because if you never told people that you never kill people, then you can kill them every once in a while. You know? Like, oh. I'm not the guy who never kills people. I'm the guy who sometimes kills people when I want to. <laughs> yeah.
1: I should stop saying that. People.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's only because you said a thing, and so people are going to hold you to it. Just don't say that, man. Just do whatever. But, you. Just
0: but kill so much of that with Batman, and especially stories that deal with early Batman, he doesn't go around telling people that he doesn't kill him. We just, uh, the audience, know that because we see conversations with him and other people. We see his inner monologue. But criminals are afraid that he's going to kill them. Yeah.
2: Doesn't Raz say something near the end about leaving him for dead? Like he's back because...
1: Yeah, Bruce? yeah.
2: Well, like like
1: but, you, bur- you burned he, my home and left me for dead.
2: I mean, yeah, he burned his house, but he pulled him out and left him somewhere. He didn't leave him to die.
1: Yeah. Well, he's yeah, but dramatic. again, he thinks that Raz al Ghul died. Not Ducard. There's a confusing element to that.
0: You think you killed Ra's al Ghul and I am Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. So you did kind of leave me for dead because you thought you... Yeah, Yeah, I get, I get
1: that. And then we got that weird cosplayer guy. Actually, that whole thing... That was one of my notes is... I've never understood that fucking lady. Bruce, I have someone you just must meet. And Bruce's, <laughs> he Bruce's first words are... Ra's al Ghul is dead. I watched him die. And then it sort of just pans in closer on his face, and we sort of just see the lady looking at him, not saying anything, and turn, and turn oh, away. This is awkward. Yeah. But like.
2: <laughs> Slowly retreats from the side. So like,
1: oh, yeah, like, first of all, does he actually know this lady? Or was that just the part of the league's setup?
2: She's, was she's the- part
0: of the league. She's a super <laughs> hot. She's a ninja.
1: But like. you want
3: to know what,
0: what that conversation was like before he walked up. If she wasn't a plant, if she was a genuine guest at that party, yeah. what were they talking about? I, I, <laughs> bet I, yeah. I bet he's also like a real socialite, too. But guy is just like, oh, absolutely. Oh, the caviar at this party is like, to die for. Yeah, whoa, well, oh my God. Yeah,
2: I bet he was He was just schmoozing, like, whoa, what are you going to do while you're in Gotham? You got a big question.
0: Oh.
1: My plans. You have no <laughs> idea. <laughs>
0: Deserves a lot of credit for giving Liam Neeson that facial hair, and hey, how they do that. But not 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 that <laughs> I understand oh, how no. <laughs> for giving him yeah, that, that facial
3: incredible. hair,
0: and at least for me, not having the twist be telegraphed. Yeah, I mean that's like totally the Razal Ghul yeah. beard. Yeah, yeah. But because you think he died earlier, like I
1: didn't even see that coming at all i didn't either and I, I think a lot of that is just me having kind of been a novice again for so long when i watched uh. this <laughs> but like you know i also don't think back too much about like you know his episodes on the animated series and stuff like that they, they don't stand out as being like my top five shit or anything joker guy everybody knows so that, he but... was just i mean you love an all right. If anyone's playing BFA Bingo at home, we said Edward Joker.
2: I like to think that that's the power of the mustache that you could put both Roz and other guy next to each other, and nobody would see any difference. Like no, no ethnicity. No, it's just the mustache. They're like, is this? Are these twins? Are these the same people?
1: Or maybe it's because
0: is that powerful?
1: Maybe it's because he's Irish. No one saw it coming.
0: Hmm. that a- a joke at the expense of Irish people?
1: No, I'm just saying like... Oh,
0: because they, they think he's supposed to be Asian?
1: Yeah, and he's on this yeah. big mountain top, and, you know, like Bruce has been traveling the world and like Ducard is like the only other white guy around, you know, and so you're like, yeah, it's not... Th- this guy's middle management. That
0: Razogul is just going to be a, uh, an intro villain to the movie and the real villain will be Scarecrow
1: or something like that.
0: So that's why mm. we can introduce him and kill him off in the first yeah 30 minutes.
3: That's
1: yeah. true, actually. All right, I gotta keep pushing this. So Bruce More returns.
0: Anti-Irish bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I gotta keep, <laughs> I gotta keep pushing keep the racism. <laughs>
1: gotta keep pushing the racism. No, the story.
0: Um, I've noticed we get a spike in viewership anytime I say racist stuff. So <laughs> play to the demographic.
1: <laughs> MAGA. Um, so the fucking. Actually, it like blows my mind whenever I see someone with like a Batman. American flag Trump supporter like profile or some shit I'm just like or like Superman or Wonder Woman or something I'm like did you retain nothing from these stories like alright I can't no I get it a superhero is someone
0: who who takes justice into their own hands because the system is broken so everybody whoever their favorite politician is doesn't matter what they are is that guy that guy who pushing against The
2: establishment and the man doing everything wrong. My guy, he's the guy. He's Batman. If there was Antifa in Gotham, then Batman would be fighting
1: them. Wow. Yeah. I think those are the sons of Batman, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) Again, more. That was the
0: most real thing we've said this whole
1: podcast. (laughs) So many fucking setups and callbacks this whole time. Young Bruce returns. He's got that sharp-looking bowl cut. This house is a mausoleum. <laughs> is, if I had it my way, I'd tear the whole thing down brick by brick. Again, set up for the end. I bet you he
0: was still 230 pounds of muscle in that scene, but just the sheer quality of haircut <laughs> Yeah, clothes yeah, made him seem like a little
1: boy. Big, droopy uh-huh. clothes. Because well, we know he filmed The Machinist right before this movie, and so he had to do this incredible transformation.
0: 110 pounds up to 240 or something like that. Yeah,
1: just insane. And so.
0: He's going to die in his 50s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That to yeah, yeah. That's not good for your heart. It, I his mean, bones are brittle. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, he just did it again. He went from Vice to Ford v Ferrari. That's what he does. He's super committed. But who knows? Maybe that was filmed earlier in the process when he was still building up to it. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's possible. But the other side of that
0: anecdote I like is that. Christopher Nolan told him he was too buff. Yeah. If you need to take this down a little bit, I appreciate the effort. Yeah. That's fine.
1: Like you're not going to fit in the suit. (laughs) But we have this great scene again, just deepening the dynamic with adult Bruce and Alfred. Just know that there are some of us who care about what you do with your future, you know, because this dude is just so tormented to, I mean, we're going to talk about the trifecta. This whole thing is his trauma and what came of it, you know. And yep. so having Alfred Rachel to a lesser extent but Alfred really just championing like I want something better for you. I know you're caught in this pain, but like I still see beyond that in you.
2: Mm. He's the only one who sees all of it and has been a part of every portion of it too. He's the only one who can like really speak to all of
1: it. Yeah, yeah and, the, and we have the, the only whole like people who
0: don't want Batman to be Batman are like corrupt cops. And criminals. Everybody else is like, yeah, Batman, that's great. Alfred's like, no, no, yeah. Batman
1: is not good. Actually not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean it, they set up that whole, uh, you know, you haven't given up on me yet. Never. Again, the callback in the elevator uh-huh. shaft at the end, you know, the setting, all that up here. Moving out of this, we have this great, very like year one, long Halloween sort of thing where Joe Chill was a cellmate of Falcone and... Falcone. Sorry, Falcone. Yeah, they have an eye that you can't see. Falcony. Oh, that's funny. I'm looking at my notes and it autocorrected to Falcons. <laughs> Two. Cool yeah, up. so... Chill uh, agrees to testify against Falcons.
0: <laughs> All of us.
1: And we see... The and, whole flock. And this is prior to Falcons bar where we <laughs> see Bruce go in there, right? He's like, no gun, I'm insulted, you know? And that whole thing... But we see Judge Faden in the bar. They gave him, like, three seconds of screen time, so it's something you'd notice on a rewatch more than the first mm-hmm. time. But I just love that we're showing the corruption directly coming out of this case. Like, yes, yeah, Falcone got Faden to get this guy off so he could get killed. They show you directly yeah. the through line. Not to get him off. as
0: <laughs> You got to get him off. Yeah. Um, a public
3: trial the public will have access to him so that the assassin can come in and kill him. Yeah.
2: I'm still thinking about like what do you have to say? What are your, you know, defend yourself? And they're like
1: ah! <laughs> 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 Well and again to cut back to the the scene in the bar though, the driving home the fear. They keep doing it, like don't act like you've seen desperation, you know, all this whole thing, he's going on his little speech, like you, you know. Have Yeah, yeah, but but again he drives it home, he punctuates that whole speech with and you always fear which you don't understand, you know, it's just like every fucking brick in this castle is fear.
0: Mm. As much as I like Tom Wilkinson, he's an excellent actor. Don't um, is it No His is the one accent I don't like in this movie. Really? Because I you can I can hear the British guy underneath it. And like I can hear that with Christian Bale too sometimes, but is it because he's doing stuff like a mobster guy accent, it, it rubs me a little wrong.
1: Honestly, he is a scene stealer for me in this movie. I really, it, minus the part where he gets gassed and he's screaming, that, <laughs> <laughs> that's bad. But like everything else, I, I really gravitate toward him. I think he's got a great presence.
0: No, he's excellent, and the performance is great. It's just I don't like the accent. Well, Things falls to me being a British guy myself. I can yeah.
3: tell
0: when another British guy's accent <laughs> is, is uh, shining through. I like that he lets Bruce leave, but he
2: still has his guys punch him on the way out.
1: They
2: you dip <laughs> out, but still, one, two, one, two.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, then we get the nice, uh, the nice coat with the hobo thing. Yeah. Like, how strange is it, right, that they reuse the Michael Keaton line, right, when Batman finally appears? The whole scene was dead serious and scary, almost like a horror movie vibe to it where where are you here you know just like that they're picking people out of the shadows right and he says i'm batman nice coat you know (laughs) like it's so funny that this is like the most serious one but again like you watch it again and sort of thinking about the humor in it and you're like dude they said that right after the big reveal like two seconds later
3: yeah. I think it's
2: cool too that he uh, has the encounter with the guy, and then immediately decides what he's gonna do with the next years of his life. He's like, "All right, well, I gotta give my jacket to a bum and hop <laughs> on a boat.
3: <laughs> I gotta
2: go. I got big plans." This jacket's here. really holding me back. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, gotta, I gotta shed all this comfortable weight and take take this money. I'm out of <laughs> here. I just think it's cool that he's. Uh, Maybe he'd been thinking about it before, or I'd prefer to think that it just came to him. He had this encounter, and, well, this is what I got to do. And he, you know, spends no time even thinking about it. Like, this is it. This is my course. I got to go do this now. I'm stow away on a ship and see find, where that goes. Find
3: gangs that only steal from Wayne Enterprises. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't
2: look into it, but I recognized the guy who played that gentleman that he gave his jacket to, but I couldn't remember what I'd seen
1: him mm. before. IMDB is your friend I
0: think I know who you're talking about like the guy from Snatch but I'm not uh, sure if that was actually oh, yeah. Yeah, him. Yeah. well I didn't know if that was actually him or just the guy who looked like him
2: no I think it is and I think that's a really funny
1: thing too like hey well
3: known actor come play a hobo in two yeah. scenes yeah why not you yeah yeah I don't know what that t- <laughs> turned what down that being in a, a Chris on, Nolan
1: yeah. movie or a Batman movie or just sharing a scene with Christian Bale I mean fuck yeah
0: yeah actors love for that stuff totally I'd like to yeah, I think all those little
2: things would be cool. And if it was a little mini-check, then cool. It just kind of keeps it going. Also, if, if I could just be in movies and never really have any roles except just be like a hobo in every single <laughs> role that I've it. like I only have bit so and I always well. play a homeless person.
1: Well, and Mr. Earl is played by Rutger Hauer, who oh, yeah. was hobo with a shotgun in that Grindhouse movie.
0: <laughs> He's uh... <laughs> I don't. He's in Blade Runner too. He's the main antagonist in Blade Runner. I don't remember the character's name, but he's just a—he's an uh, excellent actor, great '80s actor. That's actually when
2: looking at Year One flash, that's what I think of. Like, sure, dude needs to be tall and have shoulders and have a uh, white flat top. Like that's who I think—Dolph like
0: Lundgren.
1: Yeah, more Dolph, more yeah, like that. Yeah yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, Dolph for sure. An American accent. First, <laughs> no, but. Yeah, yeah. Hello, I'm, class. I'm yeah. And I yeah. You.
1: <laughs> you know, another year one thing that they do in this is they don't have the moment where like the bat flies into his study. Right. And he's like, I will become the bat father, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it, li- it literally hit me in the face. I have a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. They don't they don't have like the literal bat moment like that, but they have a conversation on the plane. You know, of him and Alfred, when he's coming back to Gotham, talking about how, like, you know, as a symbol, I can be more, something terrifying, blah, blah blah. But what I hadn't really thought about before is that right before that, there's that line of like, people need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. Those words really hit me just as like, right now in our culture, I thought, being so relevant of you wouldn't see on TV the footage of things that's like going on in the streets right now. And so sharing that and showing people like, you know, our parents' generation who would be like, wait, what the fuck? Really? You know, it's having this sort of like Vietnam effect of people being like, as he says, shaken from apathy. You know, I just thought that was Mm -hmm. a really, a really great line in the script, setting up the idea of why he's trying to be a character, you know?
0: Yeah. And that this movie
1: has something bigger
0: to say than just, Batman fights a villain. Yes. I love that whole conversation.
2: To see them get on the same page and they're still talking concepts is cool. We're just getting the ball rolling on stuff, but you're on the same page with me. We're going to work on this stuff together. I'm going to get beat up a lot and you're going to feed me (laughs) green green rejuvenating beverages.
1: Well, and when they're in the cave, it's like the 45-minute mark. That's the first time you hear the full Hans Zimmer... Theme too, and it's just so like triumphant, and it's like, oh shit, it's almost there, you know. You just like fifteen minutes, guys, fifteen minutes, and so we'll we'll give you Batman, you know. You could do it. Another great thing between the movies, a through line between the movies, right? There's a couple little parallels that are like similar things that they did in sequels. So the sit down with Crane and Falcone, he's like, I've given you all this money, I blah blah blah, and Tom Wilkinson goes, well, maybe I'm not as interested in money as I am in favors. And I go, oh shit, that's like that Bane scene in Rises where it's him and um, Daggett. You want
0: to get wild?
1: No. Let's get wild. <laughs> and he's like, fucking. He's like, you know, I I paid you a small fortune, and he's like, and this gives you power over me, you know. And, and I was like, oh shit, like they they take the two villains the big bad and the, and the lesser bad, you know, like, and really show their dynamic. He kind of suns him a little bit with that. I was like, no shit, that's the same thing, because, like, in so many I ways, mean, just Rises... Laziness. Well, yeah, but in so many ways, Rises, like, does a lot of things to make it feel full circle with Begins. I don't know. There's just a couple things like that that I hadn't caught before.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. We haven't talked about it at all, but Killian Murphy... Oh my god! Really Goodness, I mean, and another great version of who's again, that? Like having the uh, scarecrow. Oh, okay, he's been in a lot of Danny Boyle movies and some Christopher Nolan movies too. He's just a really good actor. He can play a hero. He can play a villain. You know, uh, an upright guy. He can play a creep.
1: Dude, the creep and, that he plays in uh, that Rachel McAdams movie.
0: Where they're on the plane. Yeah. Like, uh,
1: Red eye. Yeah. Red eye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he's, and that's. I mean, that's. I think that's like a
0: commendable skill for an actor to really. To again have that range to be able to make you uh, have empathy with them and connect with them as your as your window into the world, and also have them be the thing you're supposed to hate about this world, and, yeah, and the villain. And like with Raziel Ghul, having like you know, there's no Lazarus Pit; he's not an immortal. These characters are not the comic book versions of the characters, but all the core elements are there.
1: Well, and they do nod to that though, because when um, he shows up at the party at the end. He's like, or is al Ghul mortal? That's how he like reveals himself, you know. Uh, It's still like, yes, we know, we get it. Please
0: (laughs) don't talk about this on the forums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we covered it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: uh, Killian Murphy, just that scarecrow's the way he is at the beginning of the movie, where he's smarmy
3: and kind of
0: creepy, but not creepy. Like the way he is by the time we get to the end, or when when they're in the uh, like the facility where they're dumping the toxin into the water. Uh, system oh yeah and batman's like you know hovering around in the rafters and he's looking up and he's just like coiling into himself mm-hmm. he's excellent
1: i love it i, hey, I would love hey, another that one that there. dives deeper in jonathan crane too i would love another taste of that because i mean at, at this point there's four movies prior right and we're getting two villains we've never even seen on screen live action before like how, we saw
0: him in batman and robin he was coolio that home, doesn't so. count
1: <laughs> Terrifying. i mean we we saw we saw crane in the same way that we saw commissioner Loeb in this movie you know he has like one line
2: it's cool too in this that his character is more than just a villain with a shtick. he just loves scaring people or something i think it's cool that he works at arkham that he has the mob connections and above that he has the ross connections it's kind of cool too because it makes it seem like maybe a person fine i'm gonna call this a line of work though it seems weird but (laughs) you know people who are like mob killers either found themselves in that position or gravitated towards that because they had a propensity for killing people or whatever and so he's like a pretty functional psychopath in that he found himself a job that would allow him to do all the stuff that he wants to do all the time Uh it just makes him like a more of a functioning villain that he could have a normal conversation he could attend he could go to court and he could talk to rachel (laughs) as opposed to just being a guy who likes scaring people (laughs) yeah he just puts on like the the most itchy costume ever and scares the crap out of people i think it's cool that he's more of a functioning character but has this dark side that his like normal lifestyle allows him to do all this stuff.
1: You know, another thing that I hadn't really noticed before or given much attention to is when Flass sits down with Falcone prior to the attempted hit on Rachel. He's like, so rumors going around, you got a problem with somebody in the DA's office, right? And even he says, I think this is probably his one redeemable moment. He's like, don't you think that's a little too much heat, even in this town? You're seeing a little bit of like maybe who he was before or something, you know. Uh, granted, I still love to watch that motherfucker get yanked up and down the grappling hook, screaming. Um, actually, his first scream sounds the same as Nicholson when he fell off the fucking roof. It's fucking awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just thought that was cool. And even in that whole hit scene, I don't know if you ever saw this. I cannot find it online. I've never been able to come up with it, but I was watching Conan when this came out and fucking, I want to call her Rachel Dawes. Katie Holmes was on Conan promoting this movie. He shows that clip where Batman shows up and she tries to taser him, you know, and he's like, you rattled his cage, right? (laughs) But then it keeps cutting back to him and he's like holding like a little chicken coop or something and shaking it. (laughs) Over and over. And and she's you like, like she's like, who are you? And he's like, someone who rattles the cages, you know, and he's just like shaking. <laughs> on the cage rack. Yeah, dude. Like, it cracked me the fuck up and I've never been able to find it. It's so good though.
0: That's awesome. We haven't talked about her a whole lot. I think that's maybe partially because her character is a very functional character. She's the reason Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. She's the one who gets him on that. But otherwise, she's not like doing martial arts.
1: I think she's, she's, not- she's good. And I was very upset when she quit, just because I like continuity, I don't like recasting, you know. But she's very much Especially the trilogy. she's very much yeah. the Terrence Howard of this series in that like fucking Don the Don Cheadle Don, Cheadle Don Cheadle. Come on, you know. And so like that's how I feel about Maggie. I think as I rewatched this movie after The Dark Knight had been out, I'm constantly just hearing better readings of the lines in my head by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah.
0: And that's not because Katie Holmes is bad, because Katie Holmes is a good actress; She's really good in this. She's well cast. is an exceptional actress.
1: Yeah.
0: That that bothers me too, because that would be a really nice, just a continuity thing of having her in The Dark Knight, because it kind of makes them feel like they are in separate universes, which weakens it a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think that it's easy to think of The Dark Knight on its own, or Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises on their own sometimes. uh, And that's part of it.
2: Why wasn't she in the other ones and was Maggie a choice in the first one that they did not use?
1: Um, I know that Jake Gyllenhaal auditioned for Bruce Rachel. in this one. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: interesting he got the he could do interesting choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah. I know he had auditioned for Batman. I don't think that Maggie had auditioned for Rachel. I couldn't say for sure, but what I do know is that Katie Holmes left for a different film. You know, because, like, keep in mind, though. This
0: movie about snowboarding is going to be a huge hit. Yeah, yeah. I got to go. Yeah, (laughs) I got to go hop on the money train.
1: Keep in mind, though, this movie, though groundbreaking as it was, influential as it was, was not huge, though. It wasn't until the sequels that we're talking breaking box office records and stuff like that. You know, this was not a big, flashy billion-dollar movie. so Do you
2: think that's because after the Schumacher stuff, they were like, what else can be done? How could it be better?
1: That must be (laughs) it.
2: I don't need to watch this? Yes,
0: that is what it
1: is. Well, think about it that that time. I mean, Spider-Man was crushing it. You know, the Raimi trilogy was huge. Yeah. And this was kind of on the tail of that. And so you're going big, colorful, action-packed. I mean, the X-Men movies, too uh x three had probably come out uh just before this, and so I mean, what people are used to seeing in this genre was not this vibe at all, and yeah, so yeah. it's much more grounded and kind of as much as their spectacle it's still low key and so you know i as an actor career wise she's going, yeah, we could do a sequel to this, but you know I don't know. I think I did what I need to do with that character. It's fine. I mean, I, I don't want to do mm-hmm.
0: comic book movies. I don't think there's a future in it.
1: Yeah, I get that. And
0: then, Ten years later, it's like every movie is a comic book movie. Yeah, <laughs> they all cost a billion dollars. Man.
1: And you could have been in the one that kicked it all off, but no. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I I I wish that it was Maggie, but you know, I loved her in this at the time. I remember when I was in the front row, craning my neck to see the screen, being really surprised that. They gave her the Rachel Green friends treatment of, like, no one told her she was poking through that shirt, like, half the time.
0: (laughs) She's like Christian Bale. She's method. She knew what was going on.
1: (laughs) She's like, look, the scene is cold, and I need it to show. Oh, yeah, she
2: does. You can see little nibble bumps in the
0: cave, I think,
1: at one point. Multiple times. Do
0: you have an exact count in your notes, sir?
1: No, I didn't count it. how many nipples? I'll tell you what I counted. Wait, check it out. I do have a tally in my notes.
2: For nipples? Nope. Things that you can. Uh, um, what
1: else deserves a, a list in this movie? I feel like
2: we're really letting the fans down here because they're here for astute observation and methodical calculations. And if we don't, if we don't tell them how many nipple shots there are in this, they're going to probably just...
1: Okay, let me tell you this. I have a tally of something that yeah, happens can you give five, me five times. Something happens five times.
2: Uh, it's like a quick, fast speed suit up
0: booty shots. <laughs> Is it push-ups?
1: No. So, my least favorite thing in the movie, I've even mentioned this on the show before, is the fucking water tower. That thing's coming right for the water tower. That gets under the mains, it's going to blow. You know, like over and over and over again, right? We can't take anymore, Captain! (laughs) There, I counted five shots. It's like the fucking Russian family in Justice League, where like, They're just trying to put a face on someone who would be a victim of this, you know? Normal people. Yeah, yeah, like, it just does nothing for me. (laughs) Because right prior to that, you have the exposition from Batman and Gordon explaining, like, what could happen. And immediately after that, you get your first taste of Mr. Control Tower. And then they just drive (laughs) it home, like, don't for fucking get! It's weird, too, because
0: the way that's shot and how many times they show it, I remember thinking, like, is this... Bob <laughs> 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 what
1: are
2: doing with that guy? Did I know who this person is? <laughs> 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 that's
0: important.
2: Is
1: this going to be more significant later? Will this be on the <laughs> test?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm paying attention. Oh man. That boy in the Narrows is Joffrey. Joffrey in Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah. Factoid. He had two acting roles because uh, he quit after Game of Thrones. So it's like yeah. this and that. Wow, that's... straight to the straight to the top.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's great.
0: There's I think it's the the first scene with
2: the Batmobile and they're in a portion of the highway that's sort of underground with all the pillars. Yeah. And it looks it looks exactly like the scene in Dark Knight. Uh, Dark Knight with uh, with the rocket launchers and yep. stuff. It, like is it just supposed to be them driving through the same portion of the city? I,
1: I don't know. know. Where it is. Or- Maybe that's just the style of that city. I I don't really know. I mean, there's also yeah. if you think about the way that the end of rises happens, He's in the the bat, you know, the bat wing, and he's like huh. shooting at this fucking thing, trying to get it off the road, and it drops down to a sub level. So I mean, we have those sorts of designs in all three movies. Yeah, that's true. Maybe there's a layered city. Yeah, well, uh, underground pillar tunnels. Like we saw in Batman Forever, there's
3: a cave that runs from the bat cave right in the middle of the city.
0: So yeah, it's full of stuff like that. Pressure.
1: Can we talk about the voice? Because I think the most common critique of Bale is the Batman voice. And yet, to me, I've always blamed the sound editors. Because in this movie, he does it, albeit less intensely sometimes, when he's talking to Gordon or Rachel or something. But for the most part, he does it full on. And I, I still remember like the swear to me scene. Do I look like a cop? And all this shit, like seeing it for the first time being like oh my god like this is how fucking scary this guy should be you know like this is amazing that was my reaction the first time seeing it what, what was your guys
2: i don't have a problem with it you could do a thing like affleck and throw some effect and give that a reason on it otherwise it just sounds like Not everybody is capable of having the scariest voice possible, so maybe Bruce Wayne isn't gifted vocally, but he checks all the other boxes, and so this is huge. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's got a banging body, he's got (laughs) a billion dollars, he wants to fight crime, Uh, his tough voice is, you know, it's not his strongest.
1: Well, and if you notice, well, I mean, I do think it's awesome, but you will notice they did affect Crane's voice. So yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when others are hallucinating, and also when Crane is hallucinating of Batman, and Batman, he's, got, he's yeah. got the black, uh, he Dark does blackface. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. when Batman does blackface, he does have an affected voice there as well. And so anyone who is hallucinating has it. The only part that doesn't make sense is when Rachel is inoculated and Crane comes up on the horse you still hear, you, oh, yeah. you still hear the crazy that's voice. So cool. You yeah. still hear the crazy voice, even though she's already been inoculated. So that I don't understand, but but it's they maybe
0: for for our
3: benefit. Yeah,
1: but Getting they basically take
3: in the face is so cool. that. Oh god, <laughs> it's <laughs> that's great. So awesome.
1: See, and that's when the the hallucination audio breaks because you hear like a regular weak man, <gasps> like uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they um, they, they they sort of take in, that effect and apply it to Batman in the sequels. It's kind of what I'm getting at.
2: And I wasn't knocking it either. I just mean not everybody's capable of everything.
0: So
1: Batman he, is.
0: I, yeah. Okay. I'm, I think it's he matches Malone. He can do disguises, <laughs> control his voice. He can do. I just watched that magic. episode.
2: <laughs> Slide of hand. Now I I think it's dope. I just yeah, man.
1: He studies with the Z- Zatanna and everything.
2: Sherlock That's Holmes. true. Yeah. He should have
0: had, like, metal vocal coaches. He, he <laughs> could afford it, so... But, and again, that's where this is, like, not... This is maybe the most Batman Batman in any of the movies, but not, like, the most complete Batman.
1: You don't think mm-hmm. Bruce this Wayne owns a copy of The Zen of Screaming? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> you, you don't think?
2: give me your number. I'll, I'll send you a book you can read. Do you think that scary hallucination Batman's... Oreo Mouth was inspired by Tim Burton's Penguin's Oreo Mouth. Ooh. It looks like it. <laughs> yeah, I think
1: so. Good thought. I never even put that together. <laughs> so
2: many parallels. I was, oh, just, my word. So many cookies. I,
1: I was too busy creaming my jeans when I saw that scene. Yeah. Just be like, holy fuck, that's... Sh-. That's so awesome. Oh Do you my have God. a big uh,
0: poster of the Gargoyle Batman on your ceiling? Yeah. In your bedroom, I mean.
1: That's why oh, I like being yeah. a bottom, because then I can look at it. <laughs> oh, yes. See? Callbacks. Batman Begins taught me callbacks.
0: Batman is your power top, your regular top, and you're the bottom. When I saw the movie, the voice didn't bother me at all the first time. Like, I didn't even think about it. I just liked it. I think it's cool. Watching it this time, I kind of don't like it. I get what he was going for, and I get that he was just trying to do something different. And maybe as you were saying, like... maybe you just didn't have the voice to do like what Kevin Conroy does but I like a Batman that's more again he's so skilled he's so good at what he does that he doesn't have to get heated like the times he gets heated is when like he's dealing with the Joker and like he just is so tired of this kind of stuff yeah but like most of the other time he's like when he's fighting he's calm he's collected so I prefer it more of like he talks like this normally when he's Bruce Wayne and then when he's Batman he just does something to kind of change his voice like the way an actor does yeah yeah and the growliness is just... It's silly. And there are times when he's Batman in this, like you were saying, where he is doing more of a normal voice. And I just wish it was more of that. I think that
2: Conroy has the benefit of having a more naturally deep voice yeah. that already lends itself to being Batman's voice. Yeah. But then you can take like another actor who... Because when you're doing voice acting, that's all it is. Who you are as a person, what you look like, doesn't matter at all. It's only your voice. But then when you're picking an actor, you also have to hit these other marks as well. And having a naturally deep voice certainly aids you in that and so it's really hard to be a person who doesn't have a deep voice and just play like you have a deep voice uh-huh. so then probably the next thing that's easier is to be like over the top and like and yeah
0: like because i can't just talk in a low voice without talking more quietly so uh-huh. i must yell well i want to see him where he's like so lucius in my bass jumping that i'm doing i'm finding my voice just isn't quite deep
3: enough <laughs> so-
0: I need you, every night when I go bass jumping, I'm going to set you up with a microphone, and I'm going to feed you lines to say, no, just say them anytime this light comes up, so you can use your very deep Morgan Freeman voice to frighten the criminals.
2: No
1: one's going to be afraid of that. That's so soothing.
2: I I love doing all these extreme things in a group setting, but I've been... (laughs) <laughs> really embarrassed about how girly my screen is. Uh, you know, I, like I could,
3: I could really use a hint. Well, that was something that—that that was so something me, yeah.
1: that Zach Snyder and Chris Terrio solved. I thought, you know, in BVS, is you're just not going to get that all the time. You're not. I mean, Conroy is rail thin, you know. So if yeah. you're going to get an Affleck or a, a Bale, there are other things that are taking priority, you know.
0: Yeah, the Affleck way is the right way. Use some kind of voice changer. or mm-hmm something to disguise his voice and i agree with you too ben i i always equate intelligence
2: and patience and calm those kind of go in a package to me like batman is so smart so calculated he doesn't need to be aggressive he's just methodical he just yeah, his skill skill yeah he's strong time. he knows where to strike and stuff and exactly so i i never really he was all about image and less about what he sounds like ninjas don't run around yelling that's you know that's the whole thing that you know they're silent so I, i only ever pictured him not as a quiet guy but he doesn't need to do those things he could bust it out on occasion but mostly he's collected at almost all times he doesn't run around yelling he's he's just got kind of this like cool confidence that overrides everything and that's frightening that's part yeah. of what makes him oh, yeah. so yeah. fresh to people. Yeah, yeah. That he, is he, can't, like that. he can't be
1: shook. Yeah. But if you think back to again the training montage with Bruce and Ra's Al Ghul, you have this moment where they talk about the rage that he carries and how he's trying to channel that some way. And I, I remember hearing Bale talk about the voice in just going to play this real, like a real guy, someone who is actually doing this has just got to have, like, unconscionable rage. He's got to be so just unhinged in in that way, trying to fucking channel all this shit that that was kind of the idea behind the voice of, like, you know, he has this just unmatched intensity that would need to carry a person like this.
0: Uh, Yeah, but I think Batman has a a cold rage. Again, for all those purposes that I just said, but then also for the, the effect you get, like, in White Knight, when he he's losing it and he punches the brick wall, yeah, or just in anything where, where when you see him crack, it has more effect because you know it must be something very strong for this guy. Yeah, so, we know you don't like so the control.
1: Lee Bermejo uh, uh, spit face screaming Batman.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was sick. yeah. If it all you flew. do is <laughs> if you're at one hundred all the time, like you don't have a grip on it at all. Yeah. You know, if that's just the level that you operate at, versus if you randomly bust that out, then it must be a really serious scenario and, and deserve it.
1: Like if yesterday when I was installing in the, the air conditioner, man. You should have seen it.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was not good. So, my favorite line in the movie... Swear to me, You already said it. Nope. That's <laughs> so crazy! It's a little more clever. <laughs> when uh, Fox comes to visit Bruce in bed, he asks him like if he thinks... He's going to be gassed again, you know, like cuz he's like, "Oh, can you make this on a large scale?" and he's like, "Oh, you know how it is. You're at a party looking for kicks, someone's passing around the weaponized hallucinogens, like that shit I love cuz it's it's totally like the Bruce persona, but he's mm-hmm. not like putting on airs cuz these are people he knows and trusts, you know, like he still is kind of that dude. I like that kind of stuff
2: when people know the truth and they're just Making
0: jokes anyways. Yeah, because then he becomes a person to them. Yeah, Like, he's he's not, again, he's not a bat demon. He's just
1: a weird guy. Yeah. Do we like the uh, year one reference when Rachel is gassed and he swoops into Arkham, but the cops surround? And we have this sort of reversal where, you know, we talked about year one. Gordon has orders to stay outside. And so Brandon and his SWAT team is getting their ass kicked. And he's like, well, orders are orders. I got to stay out here, right? But in this one, it's like, SWAT team's not here yet. No one can go in. And he's like, fuck that. I'm going in. And so we we sort of have this moment. And he uses the sonic boot to bait the bats, you know, in the same way. But I I like that because it's very much that scene without being that scene at all.
0: Yeah, it's fresh. Again, it's respectful,
1: but it does its own thing. But it's still like, if you've read that comic, it's a great nod to
2: it. Reminds you of reading it. I like when they first show up too, and there's the back and forth between Flas and that like beep cop like SWAT's about to show. Like, why don't why don't we just get in there or whatever? And like, oh, SWAT's about to, sh-. and they just like backpedal a couple times. Like, it's ah, like never mind. Do you want the-. to go in?
1: Like, yeah.
2: Oh no, SWAT's <laughs> on the way. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't even. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah.
2: No. It's, a <laughs> way. it's good. that part too with uh, the
0: bats and the falling
1: down the stairwell and the landing is like some yeah. Uber Batman shit.
0: Yeah. Visually, that's so awesome. Because he's not Spider-Man, and it's hard in live action to convey his ability
3: to traverse the city to go yeah. from building to building. And there's yeah. a couple of shots in this movie where he's standing on a gargoyle. Yep. And I'm
0: like, this is yeah. this is Chicago. This isn't Gotham. These yeah. buildings are kind of far away. So how <laughs> are, are you going <laughs> to get down? Or are you just going to climb down from the side? of the, What are you going to do? Um, uh-huh. But with the gliding in that scene when he drops down the stairwell, it just really sells with his technology and his ability to like to fall straight down multiple stories and then immediately slow his fall at the very end.
1: When we yeah. watch this Batman through the three films, he's often less graceful. You know, he'll shoot the grappling hook and then he'll sort of like sway through the air when he's flying up there and shit, you know? But like this this scene really had like Burton blueprints in it, I felt like, because it is very much theatrical, very one straight line of motion that's that's really cool looking, um, and then a, as he gets out, you know, and they have the whole like, "I brought my car," you know, "what car?" blah blah blah. They they sort of do. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Because you know, as he fires it up, Gordon gives you that like, oh, "I gotta get me one of those," you know, like <laughs> so that just that whole little two minute run there had a very '89 Burton throwback to it. I thought it was super cool. Uh,
2: I was just thinking that that I really like those shots where he's standing on the buildings and, and it kind of circles around him and yeah. looks super Batman to me and I really like it I like that they and, did that
1: more in the sequel too when, like when he goes to China
2: yeah yeah, that's a part of what he does he stands on really tall buildings and looks at the city he's and, calm about it too yeah <laughs> and I was thinking for a second
1: <laughs> no he screams he goes up there to scream
2: <laughs> yeah yeah he goes up there to scream take, he, he takes the world's tallest peepees <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh damn you
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> You're not the only one who a after roots. I was thinking that he can't have stuff to do all the time, so that would be a really cool thing to go. but in- <laughs>
0: He's not very busy. He just goes and stands on the building for a while. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, exactly. I mean, there's that the, it can't.
0: I wouldn't think that there's something to do, like,
2: every single second. But he stays in the city rather than going back home. And how cool would it be to stand where nobody else stands and be by yourself? And that would be really cool. And then I was also thinking, like, is he actually intently looking to spot crime from like <laughs> a hundred, a hundred like is he looking to find people like running red lights from like way on the top of some, like how good are his eyeballs Look, to be able to spot this he stuff? just needs some
1: fresh <laughs> air man he just need to clear his head yeah just, yeah maybe
2: he's just up there thinking but he's just gotta take a beat actually if he could like hear a lady get her purse robbed from, from
3: like two Dirty miles up the up. sky well wait that yeah, the,
1: that was year one too where they had planted the cop the undercover cops to fake the mugging? Or no, was that uh, Dark Knight Return? I think it was year one. Yeah. yeah. Essen
0: is the, is the decoy, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Ev, you said something earlier about why didn't Bruce just say I'm Batman, you know, to Rachel and, and clear it up, right? I or, had that thought yep. later in the scene because after he leaves Gordon, you have the sort of TV car chase sequence, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's very much like when he took Vicky to the Bat Cave in, in the first one and he's showing how to crack the Smilex code, you know? And I thought, as she is losing her mind on this lethal dose of the fear toxin, right, during a high-speed chase in a Batmobile with with Batman, <laughs> what <a ride>. losing <laughs> yeah, her fucking what a ride. shit, right, he's yelling, Rachel! Oh! You know, as he's driving... <laughs> Not at any point does he just go like pull off the mask and be like, yo, it's me, it's okay.
2: Calm down.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like he's doing the voice to her while she's fucking scared. Like that I felt like he's trying to scare her. That would have been the time to reveal and help your friend, I felt like.
2: That's true. You're right, and especially given the fact that she's on drugs and she could use like really extra comfort because yes. everything that you're doing is terrifying to her. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're like, I need to drive as fast as possible because this is an emergency, but probably the person on the drugs is like, fucking slow down. Yeah,
1: and you can even be like, yo, you, what are you talking about? You hallucinated that shit. That didn't happen.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Alfred, to
1: tell you, I was on the couch.
0: I was with those models in a different fountain.
1: I was at my (laughs) birthday party. That
0: was me. I am about
2: that lifestyle. (laughs) Um, I was thinking, watching that scene, it struck me, but I couldn't place it. I'm thinking of something else where a person is taken, kind of. Taken?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Taken. like,
2: Like somebody's kidnapped and kind of brought into some knowledge, or indoctrinated into something, and I couldn't place it at first, I was thinking of V for Vendetta, Uh, where where he's he's forced to take Evie, lest she be, like, black-bagged, but then because he saves her, he also puts her more at risk, and, like, brings her into his world.
1: That's kind of some Robin shit, actually.
0: Yeah. Totally. There's something that's, like, right on the tip of my brain that I can't remember, but another thing like that of somebody feeling like they're being kidnapped, but it's actually the hero doing it. Another scenario like that? Yeah, another movie. I think. Yeah, for it, sure. Like it's not a good option, but it's the best option given the circumstances, or something. Uh, or, yeah. or me saving you
2: also entails this other stuff, and I can't help it. We got to take you to the fucking cave so you can nip out
3: and, <laughs> <laughs> and heal.
1: So as we wrap up the film here, we get towards the end. At the birthday party, when the house is being set on fire and everyone's already gone, right? Oh, yeah, there was that little shout out where, you know, you sycophantic suck ups, please leave my house, you know, that whole shit. He does yeah. say, you two faced friends or two faced phonies or whatever. I'm like, ah, I heard you. But uh, in that scene where he, he's sort of starting to fight with Roz as the house is getting burned down, they do so well what they totally fuck up in rises and that is that great scene where there's all the tumblers on the steps and hundreds of cops running in towards Bane and Batman runs up there and Bane's like so you came to die with your city you know yes. and he's and he stands there takes a beat and goes no i came to stop you and then they fight right and I hate that fucking response that should have just nothing. Just don't say anything and punch. You should have screamed it at him. Just, just don't. Just walk up and punch just him. Just punch. <laughs> just fucking deck him. Thank you. Just punch. In this movie, I was like, yo, they did it, and they did it right. Because Roz starts to fucking throw down with him. And Bruce really quickly like, I am going to stop you, motherfucker. You know, gives you one of those, right? And I was like, ah, it's the same shit. Same exchange. Uh-huh. But in a way that actually made sense for a natural flow of conversation, mm. not as a cold, I'm walking up out of nowhere, we are going to have a dialogue to set up our rumble.
3: Yeah. I heard you from way up on that
0: building,
1: and I've, a real, I've got a real
0: zinger before I punch you. I want you to remember, I don't like you.
3: Yeah, we don't
0: agree on this thing. The victories or defeats don't need
2: to happen in dialogues. It's it's generally it's generally a byproduct of action. So you don't ha- you don't have to respond if you don't want to. Just, just Again, that's
1: like one oh one movie making like show don't tell. We know this, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like it's good, bro. You don't you don't have to say anything at all. We don't in need the part,
1: water tower uh, guy.
2: I thought it was silly. Alfred knocks out some elite <laughs> super soldier. With I love hero. that. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like this guy's yeah. I mean, <laughs> that guy didn't.
1: I guess, in all fairness,
3: was he was a <laughs> The building is
1: burning. It's it's loud. There's smoke. Uh, you know, no, Sam, if no. there was ever a time an old man could sneak up on you,
2: no, <laughs> you would hear his you would hear his bones. You're a ninja. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, so then at this point, everything's getting gassed. The microwave emitter's going off. We have that great rooftop flyover scene. We sort of mentioned this with the the, you know, the CGI, yeah. Where he's flying like over, over the narrows and everyone's seeing him through the fear toxin vision. And again, that reminded me of Returns when he's flying over the plaza after the ice princess got pushed off in front of the, the second Christmas tree lighting and everyone's yeah. running like crazy and the bats are flying everywhere and shit. Um, but I thought that was another cool little throwback. And uh, then we have this the showdown on the actual train. Now, because I always like to, I watch the honest trailers, and then there's this other one that's really good called "How It Should Have Ended." Have you seen those? Uh, so, yeah. uh, "How It Should Have Ended" is always this like cartoon that kind of rewrites the ending, and, like kind of fixes any plot holes. They're really funny, and they make they're fun sure. of they make fun of Bale a lot. Like even when it, if they're doing "How It Should Have Ended" with a Marvel movie. At the end, there's always, Batman is always there. And they're always, they're always doing the voice. And it's super funny. But they had such an excellent point. They're like, Batman swoops into the train car, right? Where the microwave emitter is. And, you know, because Gordon borrows the Batmobile, blows up the, ta- you know, the track, and they, you know they cause all this destruction, right? He swoops in and just turns it off. And he's like... You stole this from my company. You don't think I know how to work it? You know? And uh, I'm like, okay, that's genius. And then the other thing is, they established in the beginning of the film that his father designed the fucking train that they're on. And so he also pulls like some sort of emergency override brake system uh, thing and stops the whole shit and just like ruins the plans. And like, that was it. Credits roll. I was like, "Oh my god, how did I never think of this?" They're both Wayne products.
2: Just before that, I was thinking, Gordon's got to take the Batmobile, and he's like,
1: "Can you drive a stick?" And I was like, "What if
2: Gordon couldn't drive a stick?" (laughs) I don't know how to drive a tank. Like, no, dude. The end.
1: (laughs) No, no. no, Then it's like, Rachel, Rachel. Yeah, yeah. Where's
2: that?
0: Where's Joffrey?
1: (laughs) Can you drive a stick?
0: This Batman, again, is not like the smartest Batman, so I don't think he would know how to stop the tram in some magical way or turn off the microwave emitter.
1: I never understood that criticism. Maybe it's your repeated criticism of Bale's Bale's Batman, (laughs) that he's not smart. (laughs) But I'm
0: just trying to gaslight you. I want to tell you reality, and you're going to live it.
1: Damn it. Now you got that Dixie Chicks song stuck in my head.
0: Gaslight have the reality.
1: Reality. Gaslighter, yeah, it's, um, it's too yeah. fucking catchy. Well, no,
0: I mean, the one that stands out. The most, <laughs> the,
1: yes. The, the, the most egregious the is in
0: The Dark Knight when he's like, like a submarine. Oh, we got some sonar, and he's like, look, well, yeah, exactly, like a submarine. It's this,
1: but he's again, not dumb, but he's,
0: he's not a genius detective who you know, he went to Princeton. They say that they tell you that, but like he,
1: but he's hamming it up in public in that scene again. I don't think that is indicative of who he is.
0: No, I, I do think it is. He's, this guy, he's got a good mind. He's got good hand skills. He can, like, make little bat things on the lathe machine and make his kids. <laughs> But I, I don't think... He doesn't, he's not a genius scientist the way regular Batman is, or true Batman. I think that you could know how to disarm the machine, and you could know how to
2: slow the train if you knew that that was somebody's plan from the get-go and had done the research, mm-hmm. but... He's just winging it, so how would he know
0: any of that stuff? He's just Com- flying by the state of his pants. Comic book Batman would. Because comic book Batman knows everything about this. Yeah, city they don't have everything. to explain it. It's just <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's done the research. He's very smart. Yeah.
1: All right, so as we wrap up the film here, again, another just killer joke at the end. He's like, Batman may have made the front page, but Bruce Wayne made the paper as well, whatever he says. And it's eight, that eight. fucking. Drunken Billionaire Burns Down Home. Like Yeah. Oh, the zingers. Awesome. So good. And then we have this awesome scene that again, it's so smart. Like you have Gordon creating a bat signal. He's like that got that line of like sorry, I didn't have any mob bosses, you know.
2: Yeah, mob bosses.
1: But <laughs> yeah, like that's awesome. he takes the idea and runs with it, right? And then they talk about escalation. Like, okay, we did it, but like, dude, you're flying around in a cape and a mask you know like shit is going to the next level i even use the sample from this in a like an anti-violence song you know he's talking about well you're wearing armor well then they buy armor piercing rounds and then you know the whole thing about escalation that that feeds into the next film and then they give you the little joker card teaser it's just like Mm -hmm. perfect fucking cliffhanger i love it yeah
0: i remember seeing that in the theater being like oh Is there going to be another one? I really hope there's another one. Yeah. Because I could see it, like, if, you know, say it didn't do well, and they just said, well, that's the only one you get. Yep. you just left with that moment of, like... Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Well, it's like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans where they set up the Sinister Six, and then they just never made anything after that.
2: (laughs) I think it's cool, too, that they... It sort of inherently sets up another one. Joker card aside, that comment just opens the door to, like, yeah, but what have you set in motion also? But I think that it's just a cool thing to address just Batman thematically that what what portion existed before Batman that he was there to combat and what portion did Batman inadvertently create
0: just by being present. Yeah. It's cool. Which, uh, obviously, we'll talk about more in Long Halloween because that's the whole thrust of that book.
1: Yeah. yeah. So are there any Easter eggs that we didn't mention?
0: I got one.
2: When the initial fear toxin antidotes get made, there's the three little vials, there's like Bruce, Gordon, and um Rachel Gordon. maybe it's like Gordon Rachel and, and then the one for reproduction. The canister reminds me of the Jurassic Park embryo uh-huh.
3: like,
2: Colgate canister. He's yeah, he's got like the hidden screw on thing and the vials go in the tubes. Barbasol. Barbasol, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh uh. I think that's all I got for Easter eggs. There was, I I also liked before the end in Roz's talk with Bruce when they're fighting in the mansion that the tie in with actual real world history that we know this implication that the League of Shadows was behind the fall of Rome and all these super spreading the plague. Yeah, I always think that it's really cool. Coronavirus. Yeah. 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 Coronavirus. Uh, that stuff that's that this is our world, but also I just like any story where we're kind of seeing like the culmination of history or the end of a long line of events or something like that. And also just the thought that like in any conspiracy theory, all you see is the results of stuff. But what gets debated is the cause of of all of that stuff and where those things emanated from, so all we know is all of these super historical events. But what he's spilling the beans on is that this organization has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years and has been a part of all of these
0: like critical empire topplings. And he like burned their house down on his first day. Yes. Yeah. They're not very good. <laughs>
2: so, like, ah, oh, I didn't know you guys were like that. <laughs> I wouldn't have torched your hut.
1: It's the worst new hire ever.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, well, you guys... I know, that was kind of rude, actually. You guys shared your drugs with me. <laughs> you, you trained me. and
1: You know, I you're still it, in your thought. 90 days of probation here. I think we're going to have to let you go.
2: Yes, yeah, I, I suck. I do suck,
1: actually. Okay, how about pros? Anything we didn't touch on? Anything you want to reiterate?
2: Um, one thing I do like is that... Must be some sound engineering thing that there's a couple good moments of Batman shows up to the docks or wherever they are with all the storage containers, and when he initially pulls that guy to the first container,
3: yeah,
1: uh,
2: so- something about the mix, like something about the sound—the sound of him pulling and the guy's yell—it sounds awesome.
1: I think they also and, pan it like during the motion, so you sort of hear him like fly off screen.
2: Yeah, like it drifts and it cuts or something. Yeah, and then also one of the first times that the Tumblr comes around. Something about the way that they mixed again is like the thruster has like an animal roar sound hmm. in it. It just sounds like fierce. And I love the way all the skidding sounds yes. as it goes around corners. It's not like a consistent thing the whole time. It actually has this like, eek, 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 like skipping sounds. Uh, everything about that vehicle sounds really cool.
1: And they sort of play that up later when he has the bat pod in the sequel and it does that rolling tire thing you know exactly you, you, yeah, it, yeah. it sort of grows on that skidding
2: yeah it's it's not a constant it's like the wheels themselves you what you're hearing is like the revolutions like the d d yep. sounds <sighs> i don't know that's super dope like oh we're gonna take this tank and it's gonna have like a fire thruster and we should probably throw
0: a lion sound
1: on top of it i mean to go back to jurassic park i mean that's how they made that shit uh-huh. Is a, like a bear a lion uh whatever the other one was. Like a, yeah uh-huh. like a whale or some shit there's all yeah. kinds of stuff in there but <laughs> yeah a whale yeah for but sure. yeah i mean I, I just really like the design in general i think it's one of the best bat suits we've ever seen Again, maybe not the most functional, but like just really scary looking. You know, Bale talked about that really thick neck looking really mm-hmm. intimidating, and it's
0: not functional
1: in reality, but
0: in universe, he's supposed to still yeah full mobility and be able to do it. I mean, yeah, it really,
1: the it's, most the most realistic. Realistic. it's the most it's the most thought out, detailed, explained. I don't know. I, I really like it. I really like even though the Tumblr is not a normal Batmobile. You know, in this world, I couldn't be happier with it. You know, I th- I think it's very functional. It's scary. It's tough. Just everything. I love I love the new logo that they started using in this with the you know the batarangs and stuff. Uh, I, I mean, I just uh, the whole design of this movie is great.
3: Well, and what's kind
2: of funny too is the suit. I love when you're first seeing it and he pulls it out of the drawer. Yeah, you just get like a fully lit picture of this suit. And what I think is dope is that. What's most realistic is you would need a ton of mobility. And so rather than whenever you see this like Roman armor back in the day that looks like a dude's full chest, but it's, but it's shaped like pecs and abs, but it's a solid piece of metal. Like you can't, how would you bend over? You could only bend over at the hips. Like and Yeah. And so in this suit, you can see that it goes in and out and in and out. And so yeah exactly so you have plates and you have like reinforcement and critical points but every single point like even between each one of the abs it dips back in and that must be a flexible point you know for like max mobility yeah the tumbler is the deviation as far as like the things that you know classic and and what we've seen but it's not as if you know (laughs) the batmobile and a lot of things look like it's like a fucking limousine like you you can't it's like the longest vehicle in the world, and that doesn't make a, that doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> to drive around. It, like it looks turning awesome. ability. no, it's it, it looks awesome, but it doesn't make a ton of sense. I mean, and this
1: motherfucker drives on the rooftops and across parking garages and everything. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. I think it's cool if you look at actual
2: military design. Now it's funny. I, I'm not saying that the the tumbler looks hokey or anything, but if you wanted stuff to look super tech, you'd throw like way more like wires and weird shapes in there and really make it look futuristic so in some ways the flat angled plates look sort of simplified but if you actually look at like um jet technology that's how the jets look because the flat plates actually like evade radar it's actually like meant to deflect signals. So, in one way, specific angles. Exactly. So, in one way, it like looks sort of silly, but in another way, it's actually more rooted in reality.
0: Like, that's actually military tech thrown into Batman's world. Yeah. Like you said, in this universe, it works well. It fits this guy. It's like, what would Batman be if he was limited by reality? Yeah. Yeah or more constrained by reality, if you needed a vehicle that would like that you do all your superhero stuff, that's more of the kind you get than just a big long dick.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
2: He totally does do the rooftop driving action in this, and it made me think of White
0: Knight. Yeah, that made me think that that's where White Knight had it from, because it's the same like...
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Doo-doo-doo. There's no uh, Joker on a scooter getting away, <laughs> though. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> it, it was funny, too, because we're, Amber and I were watching it together, and she hasn't read White Knight, and so for the first time, she just made a comment about Batman destroying the city <laughs> and the cost of things. And I was like, yeah. you know, it's funny. <laughs> I just read a book that addresses all of the legality of all of that stuff. I have a book I've been
0: waiting to share with you. It's called yeah. the Bible.
3: And <laughs> I, I think that you're
2: like, ready. Yeah. yeah.
0: I want to mention, so I criticized Tom Wilkinson's accent and this movie has a ton of
1: Brits. Killian yeah. Murphy is Irish. I think Nolan. His accent's great. Yeah. Nolan himself, Christian Bale, obviously, but someone who we hardly talked about at oh, all, Gary Oldman. Oh my god. So this Jim
3: Gordon, he's not pretty good. He's good. He's not the he's not the year one Gordon. That's the Gordon I like. I like a Gordon who is really, really tough also. He's not Batman, but
0: he's he's skilled and tough. And this Gordon just seems more like a regular guy, but the character is there and is excellent. And yeah. uh, Gary Oldman's
1: accent is great and he just he plays that like he's tired. He seems very tired. I love him. I think Sometimes, like when I'm reading comics and I get really lost in it, a lot of times I'm hearing Bob Hastings' voice for Gordon, you know, from the animated that's, series. That's, that's who I yeah, yeah. But sometimes I'll be like really into this scene and be like, "Yo, that was Oldman for sure." Like, you know, I, like he just so he he has the look, he has the heart, he has, like you said, everything, but maybe the green beret thing, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah and that translates a little in the voice too, because he's not he's not the animated series like and forceful yeah it's not really that but he's still jim gordon
2: i think what he lacks in physical stature or presence he nails all the yeah yeah no i don't i I don't agree with that actually i really feel like the animated series set like a bar that cannot be touched in a lot of ways and that's how i feel about gordon like yeah your mustache if it's, if, it's any, if it's any less vertically thick than two inches, then you're not you're, you're not meeting the criteria. It's, it's, it's got to be a stuff. full
1: push broom mustache. <laughs>
3: yeah, yes. big.
1: No, I, I love him, man. I think that he is easily the best on-screen Gordon we've ever had. And, you know, I like J.K. Simmons. I hope we get more of him in the Snyder Cut. But, yeah, I just love him through the whole series. Um I do want to touch on that because one of my pros is just again I think this is probably the best ensemble cast of its time. You know, this is pre-Avengers where you have all these Oscar winners on one, you know, comic book movie. I mean, this is really think about the stakes involved in rebooting the franchise that really kicked off all of the stuff in the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, you've got to think of what an undertaking it was to get the music right, to get the look right, to get the cast right. It's full of all-stars. You're bringing all of this serious talent to something that, you know, in more recent years had been more of just a popcorn flick. And so I, I really got to give them credit for the team they assembled on this.
0: Imagine this movie with Liam Neeson as Commissioner Gordon and Gary Oldman as Rozelle Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> It could be done.
0: It can be done, but in, even though they're they're great... <laughs> but only because Gary Oldman is so versatile.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I agree, Sam, but I think that every Wes Anderson movie has the best ensemble cast that I've ever seen.
1: Well, that's yeah, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not comparing it to, like, Scorsese or something. I'm just saying, like, in, ter- I, I in terms of genre, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, and then other things I've already touched on in my prose that are just script. That's That's number one. I really just think it's so well-written. It's airtight. And then Hans Zimmer took on the impossible role of reinventing what Elfman had shaped for not only those films, but the animated world and the spin off films. I mean, literally every fucking thing we knew and came up with something so fresh and now so often imitated. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he killed it. Thanks a lot, Hans. I got to listen to that shit for 15
1: years. (laughs) Yeah, every trailer, every trailer has super hard gated tremolo. (laughs) 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 That's
2: the Hans effect.
1: (laughs) I have one con, and that's Water Tower Guy. What about you guys?
0: Well, what I said, the uh, and it's made up for because we get the
1: great out of suit action scenes. Yeah, but every time Batman throws a punch, the camera cuts.
3: Mm -hmm. It's all very tight. The only time you it even approaches
0: hit, really seeing him fight is with Liam Neeson on the tram. Yeah, and that's short. There's not a lot to that.
1: How and about then, this?
0: The vo- <laughs>
1: that's so the vo- good.
0: The voice I said is like kind of meh. and then I think maybe my only other criticism is just, and I don't know that there's a way around it, but the fact that this movie is 140 minutes long and half of it doesn't have Batman in it. Yeah, and it's like it's that thing that all the origin movies have where they have to like introduce the character and then have a villain and a plot with that villain for the second
3: half of the movie and they do a good job because they introduce all the elements early but it's still
1: it's like i wouldn't change anything about that but again i would rewatch the sequels more often because of that so i get what you're saying
0: yeah and i get part of it because i think everybody who does it anytime a new director approaches a story that somebody else has already told especially many of them they all want to like do their version of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I want to do his origin story too. I want to do all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think maybe you could have used, had the same time and just had less flashbacks. Yeah. More Batman stuff, but it's still great. That's, it's, a, it's not a big criticism, but it's a lot of Batman. It's a lot of not Batman in a Batman movie. Yep. I do really
2: like that the beginning though is a lot more like Memento in that you have like three timelines running simultaneously, which yeah. is really cool. Like, Here's the present. Here's the past, past, and the middle past. That's pretty cool. I Until mean, it finally gets
1: caught up. That's really his thing, and, and yeah. y- you have Memento. You've got Begins. You've Inception. got Inception. Yeah, he loves you've time got stuff. Dunkirk. I mean, there's so many great examples of that.
2: Yeah, he loves fucking around with that
1: stuff. It's very I like want- Tarantino likes to cut back and forth and tell things in a non-linear way. You know, I feel uh-huh. like Nolan is was kind of the next the next generation of that. Style, mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives it weight in a way that linear wouldn't. Yeah. Although I do think I've seen Pulp Fiction cut in order, and that movie works fine, if not better, yeah. in order. One pro that I didn't say that I really liked, and it's just a tiny thing, it's Joe Chill in the courthouse.
3: Mm. I love the choice of when he says, like, do you have anything to say for yourself? After the uh, whoever was arguing for his parole had just said, you know, like, there was a depression. It was yeah. really
0: bad. It's hard for people to do anything. And that the choice to have him get up there and say... Yeah, I know it was a depression, but what I did was horrible. Yeah. nothing mm-hmm. will like, we'll ever really undo that. And then he just like, that's it. To not have it be like a mustache twirling, you know. Oh, your honor, I'm so sorry about yeah. that. Idea. Yeah, yeah, I did. totally changed.
1: Well, and I think yeah. that's got to be deliberate, too, because, you know, we have him give that little, that don't change what I did. And then you cut to Bruce ready to kill him. You yeah. know, And Rachel pulling him away, oh, you don't have to see this? He's like, yes, I do have to see this. I need to see this uh-huh. motherfucker die, right? I think by humanizing the villain in this case, it helps us see how he was so eager to go the wrong way. You yeah, know? and how, he, yeah, how really wrong that would have been. Exactly. Because if it's just fully dehumanized, fully bad, evil person, then you could justify going like, yeah, he could have shot him.
0: Why not? Mm-hmm. I also like, too, because it kind counter- of, and I know Earth One comes after this, but still that idea of, I think year one is the start of it, where Joe Chill isn't the person who killed Batman's parents anymore. It's just an unnamed person who's never caught. Mm. The idea, and they say it when, when Go asks him, like, well, why wouldn't vengeance work?
3: Why is it vengeance the thing? Yeah. And it's like, because since somebody else killed him, that will no longer be able to solve mental problem, Yeah, his
1: need for justice and to make it right. Somebody mm-hmm. else took that away, so now he can never get that. Well, and that's that whole thing about in Robin's Reckoning on the animated series. You know, he kind of... Oh, and also in Forever. I mean, he gives him that choice of like, okay, here was the guy who did it. What are you going to do? Because mm-hmm. I promise if you go with your first instinct, you're never going to fill that hole. It's Mm -hmm. going to take you further and further in the wrong direction, you know. And so this is actually that choice being removed from him, which is great.
0: Or it's that line in Earth One where Alfred's like, You got Penguin and then you got the cop who did it. And, you know, it's all good. You can stop. He's like, You don't understand. The guy who killed my parents was just some random guy in the street. I can't ever stop now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think also
3: vengeance isn't the right path, but if these
2: people did. If it was very clear, here's the guilty party, you eliminated the guilty party, and then that was the end of it, then okay. But if you continued to be consumed by what is now actually just like a violence-motivated, like revenge is like a mission, but it incorporates murder, maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's something like dangerous about if you get satisfaction from doing that.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, then what's yeah. next?
2: Yeah, then you now are the villain. You know, like if you became consumed by that thing and it wasn't actually just the vengeance, it was more of like a desire to kill or something, then you are all of those
1: bad guys. Trifecta? We've already talked a little bit about these things, but Fox kind of does the heavy lifting when it comes to the de- detective stuff. Uh, is it- yeah,
0: he's, he's not a lot of detective, but they're the, they're the elements of Ian uh, Alfred. Sourcing the components yeah. of the cowl from different places to hide where they're from, building his batarangs, designing the cave. So
1: still very resourceful.
0: Resourceful, yeah. But he's not like he's not a scientist man. He's not a
1: a scientist man. Sherlock
0: Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they call him.
1: Oh, I'm a layman, so I didn't get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you maybe if you're a little smarter, a little more educated, you'd know. Educated. Yeah.
1: So ninja, we've covered very stealthy. Of ninja. Fights, yeah, his way
0: his
2: way more
1: ninja. Ten people at once and shit. Trauma, obviously that's the whole this should have just been called Batman Trauma. Um, <laughs> Batman PTSD. <laughs> and uh now we're to the ratings.
2: Five four and a half.
1: Five. Again, anything that I'm left wanting more on rewatches, it's like it's all so fucking perfect. How could I be mad at this, you know? So. I'm with
0: you in that it's like not the one that I want to rewatch as much as, as like The Dark Knight.
1: Yeah,
0: and there are obviously problems with it, but just the way I felt the first time. Yeah, like how how right that character was done. Yeah, yeah. they do it a real service. Yeah, what's your four and a half? Um, Prove
2: yourself most, to me. Well, <laughs> the, the, and the only reason I think that is just because I'm also simultaneously thinking about the other ones. And I'm not saying that this one isn't a five, but if I'm going to call the next one a five, is this one as good as that one? Sure. It it just brings it down like a half
1: step. Yeah, for me, Uh, I I try to just kind of view each one on its own merits. Yeah, yeah, I think you you
0: have to balance that same thing.
2: Because
1: when people say, like, their top five or their whatever Batman movies, you know, Uh, sometimes I will respond to them by saying, well, 89 is my favorite. Sure. But I think the best made one is begins. You know, like yeah. I know I can appreciate the difference in that. You know, I also had a lot
2: of fun too because I haven't seen this in a really long time. Nice, and it was very fresh to me. I'd forgotten a lot of parts of it, and it was almost like seeing it for the first time again.
1: Oh, you know, there was another connection that I didn't notice before when they are in that fancy hotel, and the girls are swimming, right? He's he's sitting there with Mr. Earl and all these other people, socialites, and they're talking about Batman, right? And I was Uh like, yo, I never put this together. This is the same scene as the restaurant with the the ballerina and Harvey and Rachel. Like where, you know, know, she holds up the fucking like maybe Harvey Dent is the Batman and covers his face, you know, like, man, Uh there's so many little pieces of connective tissue that I, even after seeing each one of these, like, a hundred times, I still never considered.
2: I forgot to say, too, that I liked, part of it, I think, is the CG, because all the stuff with the narrows, that's like overhead CG shots, which automatically makes it feel more like a video game, but it made me think about how crazy the city is, and how slummy that part is, and that it seems to be like some little shit island with all these (laughs) these bridges running to it, and that some butthole either built an asylum where all the poor people live, or they made this little shanty town around the asylum or something. But I was thinking about how that's crazy, and the fact that the asylum is just kind of plopped in the middle of town is weird.
1: But also how much
2: it... It looks similar to the video
0: games also. We well, yeah, the video games and I think I've never like looked at a map of Gotham, like a real map, not from any like the reimaginings and stuff. But the video games are always like that where the like there's the mainland. It's like New York kind of where there's a land and then the whole city's broken up into four or five islands connected yeah. by bridges. Yeah. and yeah. I think they get into Rises or Dark Knight. It's like one island connected by a bridge or something, Uh or bridges.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little more centralized in the later ones.
2: I wonder if anybody has ever pulled their resources and made a realistic-looking, just like an overhead city view of what Gotham actually could (laughs) look like. I bet you there must be one. Yeah, Yeah, that'd
1: be cool. To your point about the location of the asylum, I felt similarly thinking about the opera house. When, when they were murdered, you know, in Park Row. You got all these rich people in tuxes coming out where all these people are homeless and desperate right outside. You know, and then I thought, well, yeah, but part of that is just the age of the city, too, in that what was once a very affluent area, now you have this historic building that's left there while everything else has gone to shit around it. You know, I think that was kind of a great metaphor for everything going on there. Well, like yes. kind of being based on New York
0: where like Times Square, like yeah. New York in the 70s was, a lot of it was not like great, not a great place to live, but also that's still where cultural and artistic things were and touristy spots. Yeah. But that's one they kind of had though. They're not going to see the Mark of Zorro or the Mask of Zorro. They're going to see some weird, pretentious Cirque du Soleil thing.
3: <laughs>
2: I don't like that. Oh, that's actually another thing that I like too. I liked how kind his dad was in that part yeah his, his, his dad only knows about him falling into to the well he doesn't know anything about the bats he just knows that his son is scared but as soon as bruce asks him like something's going on in my head can we go and his dad is just like yes son i care so much about you that we can dip right yeah. now like that's how compassionate he is
1: you know we didn't talk about him at all but the actor who plays the young bruce is phenomenal
0: yeah Generally, children don't have the experience to draw on, but... And I generally just don't children like children and children actors, <laughs> and he did a pretty good
2: job. Yeah,
1: he was great. Really great. Um, last thing I mentioned is, Ev made me think of this, too, in terms of the, the layout of the city and the narrows. That was one thing that they did well on the TV show, Gotham, is that they developed that area a lot more and kind of... Let you in. It was sort of like actually in White Night, you know. You have, God, what was that part of town? Yeah, the other part where where he's campaigning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was sort of like that where it's very much just the neglected corner where. Uh-huh. Oh, we've got basically Manhattan right over here, but nobody gives a fuck about these people. Left to fend for themselves, you know, and let's uh-huh. let's take care of our own sort of thing.
2: That is how it is too. You have you know anything that's new is fresh and looks new whether the style is dated or not kind of like instantly but that's always how it goes with cities you know even if you go to portland stuff gets developed and then other stuff gets developed but i i've actually thought about this a lot of times where like money doesn't get put into upkeep it just gets put into creating new things while yeah. the old things get neglected you know and so that's Also, you know, the opera house or the theater or something, it's old and historic, but it's also old and therefore it's not being kept up on. And maybe the theater looks nice, but it's also in a part of town. You know, how many downtowns have you driven through in small towns that just don't exist anymore because like focus shifted elsewhere and it just isn't a thing anymore?
3: And so it's just kind of in the worst case scenario, turns into like a no man's land for
1: crime. And best case, yeah, best case scenario is just like kind of dirty. The end?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, City planning. As big as a (laughs) tangerine. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warman.
1: All right, that is our show. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. I got to tell you, I'm pretty pleased with the timing of all this because DC fandom, you know, they dropped that trailer i mean a few days ago at the time of this recording but we've been sitting on this for a minute and it ties in perfectly because the next episode that we're gonna do we're gonna go into the jeff loeb tim sale classic the long halloween we're gonna follow that with of course the dark knight and then dark victory tying it all together i wanted to continue this year one frank miller world but it looks like that's also a heavy influence on the upcoming The Batman from Matt Reeves and Rob Pattinson. So looking forward to all that, we are going to dive into The source material, The Long Halloween. Stay tuned.